Hey, Gavin. Hey, Louie. Guess what I'm on. What? What are you? Is it E? I'm so... <laughs> <laughs> no, girly. I'm Is that why you keep touching the camera? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting on a secret. No, uh, I'm on a staycation, honey. Oh, look at you. I took the week off. PTO rollover. Oh. I don't blame you. Sometimes Sis. I take the week off and that's because I'm unemployed. But well, so it's a little bit different, but it's a you know, slightly smaller difference. But that's great, you know. Yes. That's a perfect time. Test out a new routine. Wake mm-hmm. up at a different time. Try yeah. a skincare routine. I went and saw art by myself. Met a cute boy. I was like, okay, I'm a gossip girl. Um, <laughs> but anyway, hi everyone. This is the Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or mini genre. We take two weeks. We watch as much as we can. We do a ton of research and we give it all back to you. And then we tell you what we like and what we don't like. What if, and also sometimes we were also on E. We should do that. That should be a special Patreon exclusive. We we have already discussed this show on drugs would not be good. It's too much concentration. <laughs> uh, and But okay, so n- maybe no drugs, but we do sometimes bring friends along for the ride. Please welcome to the stage. It's Charlie Nash. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes. Charlie, I'm going to get this out of the way real quick. You have an action movie star name. You do. <laughs> and, well, first of all, I think anybody with a one-syllable last name automatically yeah. is elevated to action star in my brain. But ch- the way Charlie Nash flows yeah. together, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. I'm actually... Uh, <laughs> Charlie Nash is actually a Street Fighter character. I don't <gasps> think he's one that you can play, but oh. he is a Street Fighter character. And if you Is look he up, like he a background is, uh, guy that's like always shouting, I, Yatta! I like, think so, because I'm not a Street Fighter expert, but if you look him up, he is in uh, much better shape than I am. So yeah. <laughs> I'm looking up him right now. Okay, he he's, is crazy ripped. Well, I guess the mm-hmm. one. he's got like an aggressive bang situation. Yeah. Um, On the opposite end of that, Charlie, the advantage you have over him is your flesh and blood and he's pixels. So, so it doesn't matter so what he looks like. I'll take that. <laughs> Um, Charlie's coming to us from Almost Major, which, uh, Gavin, you were on the show. Yes. Um, a while ago. You were supposed to be extenuating circumstances. Yes, yes. But you were missed. But we love you guys. Um, we are so glad to have you on the pod. You brought us a very good topic. Like, oh oh my God, this this is what this show is for and about. Um. Absolutely. Before we get to who we're talking about, though, let's get back a little bit we do have a little bit of old business um are we traveling back in time like kang the conqueror uh, the way you said kang the conqueror i did not like i don't like <laughs> kang that. the conqueror yeah king like, the conqueror sh- shaking my like yeah, invisible yeah. i don't know what's like mm-hmm. um <laughs> we last episode we covered uh paul rudd i have to apologize i don't know what i was on i was um a little aggressive in my um thoughts and feelings i guess um I think the, the the long and short of it is, I like Paul Rudd. I don't yes. like his movies. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the T. And let's be honest, like we do these episodes, and sometimes we find stuff out about ourselves. I yeah, always yeah. think <laughs> I'm shocked that we've never received any hate mail about our Tim Burton episode. Like I literally also, said, I literally ended Tim Burton with like retire, bitch. Like. <laughs> so, <laughs> And this is coming from you, the number one Batman Returns stand of all I people. know, but he just, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. feel it anymore. This, he just doesn't have this, the passion for it. This, Paul Rudd, I think, joins our um, John Hughes episode where we're like, oh, yes. and a surprise twist where we have a lot to fucking say. Um, <laughs> an old fave uh, revealed to be um, an enemy of the pod. Uh, <laughs> sorry, <we> did, Paul. <laughs> so, sorry, Paul. We do love you. Congrats with the G. 
Chiefs, and we know you're a Kansas City girl. Um, that's a Super Bowl thing. We asked you guys to go online and vote for your favorite Paul Rudd movie, and here are the results. It was a landslide. It was yeah. uh, the chick's landslide because uh, Object of My Affection, which was my pick, came in at last place with just under 7%. Uh, the Ant-Man universe came in just under 9%. Wanderlust, which was Gavin's pick, Christ help us, was just under 12%. And then almost uh, 73% came in with Clueless. Uh, um, I did receive a text from uh, former guest Dan Mecca that he is no longer listening to the show because you don't like the David Wayne movies. So I know, and I saw uh, him tweeting about Diggers, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> I did. I mean, I cut that out of the show. We were not kind. We were not, and <laughs> you know, we did have someone say "Ideal Home," which I do like. "Ideal Home." I th- that yeah, was a, that, that was one of the surprises. I, I did like um, "Ideal Home." Um, a lot of people saying they liked movies that we did not like. So. Yeah, you know that's the way cookie crumbles. Um, Charlie, do you have any thoughts on Paul Rudd? Uh, uh, he's I, I I love looking at him at all times, but I'm yes. kind of like yeah. uh, I'm kind of in the same boat where I'm like immediately I was like, well, Clueless is going to sweep this, and that's probably yeah. my favorite movie he's been in. I have not seen many of the David Wayne films. I've seen Wet Hot American Summer Summer a couple of times, and it's fine. I love Janine Garofalo. I love that cast. I've never seen. I, I don't think I've seen like anything else he's directed though, which is kind of weird. Well, I don't know I, why. It's a specific brand of humor yeah. that <clears throat> I do not subscribe to. I know plenty of people do, and good for them. I applaud you. Um, you know what, Gavin? Sam, former um, guest host, she was like, I can't believe Gavin likes that type of humor. <laughs> for being such a snooty little bitch. I was going to you... say, some of us have class. <laughs> <laughs> where? <laughs> where? <laughs> Trash, mama. Um, Paul Rudd, thank you so much. We had time <laughs> yeah you're gonna ma- you're literally going to make a billion dollars this weekend at I know. so like oh my god did you see the story how like his kids thought he worked at movie theater for like 12 years no that's really what? funny Adorable. his son for like a long time thought his dad worked at like the movie theaters um, it's it's so funny the education among the wealthy like mm-hmm. it's just not great <laughs> yeah it's it's so crazy kids are dumb um have you seen the tim and eric sketch with him that's one of the best tim and eric yes sketches. Well, yeah. it's literally somebody tweeted at us when the episode came out they were like if tane isn't mentioned i'm gonna riot <laughs> and tane wasn't mentioned because we talk about movies but <laughs> i do i do love the tane sketch i do love, what is it it's also called yeah. something man or but yeah, it's, uh, it's celery man. Yeah. Celery man. <laughs> yeah. uh, computer, show me nude tane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do like how silly Billy he is. And yeah. for that, yeah. we will always be grateful. I do like Paul Rudd a lot. I feel yeah. like I didn't make that clear. I find him very, very charming. I, I think that's the. I think that's literally we're not doing a full other episode of Paul Rudd. But I think that's literally <laughs> the undertone is we have to be like, we all like Paul Rudd. But this is your intervention to try something different. Right. <laughs> I just is... want to know whose blood he's bathing in because that man has not aged. Yeah. In yeah. Gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous, yeah. beautiful gowns. Um, but okay. <laughs> Thank you, Paul Rudd. We are moving on. Charlie, please let the children know who are we here to talk about today? Um, I wrote to Gavin pitching Jennifer Jason Lee because she has been one of my favorite actresses for years. Uh were birthday twinsies and oh. uh, and uh, that's a very superfluous detail but <laughs> I, like I was it. thinking because Gavin we've been talking you know for a while now about uh, yeah I, I just want any uh, future prospective guest to know because sometimes I get the feeling that I'm I'm dropping the ball on 
Charlie, I invited you on the show, I want to say, in March of 2022, and yeah, we're just around getting around time. to it now. Yeah. So that's that's how our process works here at the Mixed oh, It takes a while. Hey, it it takes gave a while. me plenty of time, and I, yeah. look, I, I, <laughs> I'm just so grateful to be on now. I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, I just, I was thinking because I love her, and it's hard to pin down exactly what makes her so great sometimes, because she's so bold and different in a variety of ways like i i you know i think she gave an interview where she's like she she's shy when it comes to interviews and um talking about herself but when it comes to playing other people she'll bring everything to the table and i love how brave she is as an actress and how no matter you know i'm always excited to see her name in an in on a poster or in credits of something. And I never know what I'm going to get like ever. Like, I feel like there are certain types of like, like she's definitely done Atlantic accents in more than one movie that we're certainly (laughs) going to talk about, but it's always, it's always something that she's such a dynamic, powerful presence. And yet I never feel like she's, um, is she will always take as much as she can for, from a role while always sharing as well. Like if yeah. she needs to be part of an ensemble, she will never steal from anybody else. And yeah. if she yeah. needs to be the and center that, of a scene, she will just eat everything up. I love it so much. I love her. That's so much. a really fascinating observation. And you're right. She is never one to pull focus. And I mean, even to this day, you know, that's, and I think that's what's maybe kept her from being recognized because she's always Mm -hmm. giving 110%, but she's never like, hey, look at me. Like, look at the thing I'm doing. You know, it's always servicing the character. It's always servicing the plot. It's always servicing the other people that are in the film. And so it's it's a really fascinating... I have some uh, theories as to why I like her, at least. But yeah, she is so just cuckoo bananas, amazing, Mm -hmm. just... Bold is a very good word because yeah. <clears throat> Gurley takes big swings. Um, yes. Her movie, I, 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 I was like only a little bit familiar with her work, and so when I dipped my toes into the Jennifer Jason Lee pool, I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" She loves, <laughs> yeah. play, she loves playing women who like don't know what's happening, what's real, what's not real. That's the girl. Uh-huh. Like she, and I'm like. Can this can can someone give her a movie where she knows what she's in reality? Because holy shit, <laughs> the, it, it, there were some movies where like I'd come home from work and it would be late, and I'd be like, "Oh, I'll throw this on because this seems like a little cozier than certain things." And then something would happen, and I'd be like, "Oh my god, bonkers!" Like, <laughs> Bonk- she 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 gives very aggressive downtown New York vibes, like downtown nineties yes. New York, yes. like experimental, like it. She's not afraid to go there. And that's why it's not shocking who, like, is in her circle of friends. Why it's the Parker Posey's of the world and Mm -hmm. the Alan Cummings of the world. Like, Mm -hmm. it's it's all of these, like, we want to do something impactful. We want to take these risks. We want to take these chances. Uh, And, yeah. But also, like, she's still never had her... And I've seen her in interviews be like, I'd love to do a big action movie. I'd love to do a big comedy. Mm -hmm. Like, people, people just don't... Yeah, think of me for them, and uh, she hasn't had that moment like everybody else has had. Right. And I think that's also interesting because that's sort of kept her from, you know, forefront of people's brains. Which is right, like, she yeah. she never she never like broke through the way like Glenn Close or Meryl Streep. Yeah, like I mean, and she's been around just as long. You know. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. I I did hear a reporter ask her. Because she was famously once called the Meryl Streep of bimbos, <gasps> and, if, and if she found that term offensive 
And this was only a couple years ago. And her response was, I am not offended by that. Anytime my name is brought up with Meryl Streep's, I'm okay. <laughs> Gag. Okay, iconic. Like... That's incredible. <clears throat> I'm very excited to like go on this very kooky journey with her and with both of you. So, Gavin, why don't we get into that sweet, sweet rewind? Jennifer Jason Lee, born Jennifer Lee Morrow, was born February 5th, 1962. That makes her 61 years of age. Now, you may be clocking that I just gave her a completely different name. And that is because she comes from the era in which Nepo babies didn't want it to be known that they were Nepo babies. Smart. Smart. Yeah, yeah. The very, like, Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. Nicolas Coppola school of... Yeah. 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 And so what she did was she took her first name, Jennifer, her middle name, Lee, made it her last name, and added Jason because her friends are very good friends with the actor Jason Robards, and she always really respected him and thought it would be something unique, you know. I mean, so. it, it's a great... I mean, talk about an action hero name. Jennifer Jason yes. Lee, yes. it just rolls off the tongue. Once yeah. again, one syllable last name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lee was born in Los Angeles, California. Her father, Vic Morrow, uh, he was an actor, and her mother, Barbara Turner, was a screenwriter. Her parents divorced when she was two, and her basically relationship with her father kind of crumbled from there. He was just never really in her life hmm. uh, after that. Uh, we're going to come back to her father in a bit. So I'll just put a pin in that. Lee's parents are Jewish. Her father's family was from Russia and her mother's from Austria. Lee is the middle child of three sisters. Her older sister, Carrie Ann Morrow, passed away in 2016. Hmm. Lee also has a half-sister, actress Amina Batty, uh, who is from her mother's second marriage. Batty was in the anniversary party with her. She plays the neighbor, the wife of the neighbor. Um, Her mother's second husband, director Reza Bidi, became Lee's stepfather when he married Lee's mother, Barbara. And he actually ends up giving her her, like, first acting role on stage. So she she goes to school, like, high school, normal high school. Uh, She's acting in plays and stuff she's getting the leads in plays honey yeah and she you know she has an acting teacher who tells her like acting is big it's overacting and she's like arguing with her acting teacher she's like no acting is small it's a mirror you know when you're younger your ego is so much stronger in a certain (laughs) way and i would like fight with my drama teacher. <laughs> she would always say, acting is bigger than life. And I would say, no, it's not. Acting is life. Acting you know, should be a mirror. She said acting is small? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, she was like, it's real. You gotta... Suspicious behavior. I don't know. I'm, I wouldn't say that Jennifer Jason Lee's a small actress, but okay. It depends um, on what movie she's in and the role she's taking. <laughs> I, agree, I agree with Charlie. I agree with Charlie. Uh, at the age of 14, she attended acting workshops taught by Lee Strasberg and the Stage Door Manor Performing Arts Training Center in Lock Sheldrake, New York. Who, who is 14 years old hanging out with Lee Strasberg learning how to act? What Well, and she, and she has said, first of all, that like it was like a summer camp, so it's not as prestigious as everybody makes it sound. Okay. And also, she was the daughter of... Yeah. Hollywood people like yeah. California she has said 
you know, she always thought growing up, this is the business. This is the family business. Like if your parents are railroad conductors, you work on the railroad. So for <laughs> actors, writers, okay, it sounds she like was, she's like, she's like, Nepo babies, this is what we do. Okay? This is what like, we do. It's not our fault. <laughs> but it's funny because that's exactly what Tom Hanks said a couple yes. weeks ago when he was, he was like, it's a family business. If your families are plumbers, you become a plumber. And it's like, okay, Tom, relax. It's like. Do, do you know about your son, Chad? Right. <laughs> oh, uh, my dad's an electrical engineer, and you don't want me getting anywhere near that shit. <laughs> and then her stepfather puts her into an episode of Beretta. I think it's like episode eight of season three or something. You can find it on YouTube. It's a very short scene. But it's a speaking role. What happened, sugar? There, Tony, there was this man, and I didn't know what to do. I was so scared. Yeah? I'm sorry, pal. I ain't gonna let nothing happen to you. I wasn't worried about me. I didn't want anyone to hurt Fred. She did a lot of like TV movie stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think the most famous one, which I did watch is the best little girl in the world. It's based off a book that was very popular at the time about anorexia nervosa. She dropped to 86 pounds under medical supervision to get this role. Uh, she originally wasn't cast, uh, and then they, they had to replace this happens twice in her career and they're both big deals. Uh, she was, re- she was, ended up becoming the replacement and she's really good in the movie. I will yeah. say yeah, I, it's, uh, it's not, it's very much a seventies TV movie. I don't think it's handled with as much grace or care as a subject like this would be nowadays. It's ve- and it definitely has very preachy moments of like, here's what to do. If you know somebody who has anorexia right. nervosa, mm-hmm. she's failing Frank three subjects. Well, why didn't you tell me? All right, that's the end of your stupid diet. I only lost a couple of pounds. I said that's the end. You look sick and scrawny. You're failing. My dance teacher doesn't think so. She said to keep up the good work. I don't care what she says. I'm your father, and I said it's gone far enough. But this was around the time when, like, TV movies that were... I mean, this was probably, like, on basic cable, right? Like, yeah. there was no this HBO was like or one whatever. Of the three, one of the three networks, yeah. Right, but, like, this was when they took these huge swings, and, like, they were moments. It's not like... Like now, when you fucking see a ha- uh, like a Hallmark movie, it's like right. made for $2 in a dream. <clears throat> right. Then, shot, was like, shot on film, actual actors. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. we had yeah. Sally Field crying on st- <laughs> like f- film, baby. I was, at uh, a, I was at a motel uh, after a wedding, and we were all high, and we were watching Lifetime Christmas movies. And at one point, we, none of us could tell what time of day a certain scene took place in, because we were just like, <laughs> we were just like, it could be uh, 5 a.m. or 6 p.m. We really have no idea. See? Like, I, yeah. like, nobody in the room could The 70s it. would never. Day, day for night in digital, baby. It's uh, it's not recommended. Um, her next big, you know, her next big leap is onto the big screen. And she makes her, you know, actual film debut playing a blind, deaf, and mute rape survivor in the 1981 slasher film Eyes of a Stranger. And what's funny is, like I just said, she was not initially cast in this role either. No mm-hmm. one really, she has said in interviews, no one knows what happened to the other girl. <sighs> but she was fired. What? Um, she was fired. So, what? She was fired. Uh, and so, like, basically they'd shot for a week with her. And so they flew Jennifer Jason Lee to the set to like take over this role too. Wow. And also it was the tail end of her high school career and she drops out of high school. Fuck yeah. Too. Yeah. And she, she promises her mom, I'll finish. I'll take my GED. She's no. never gone. No, never gone back to good for that. her. 
Good for Honestly, kids. You, kids, you can do it too. Follow your dreams. <laughs> Gavin, I noticed that I, I peeked at your letterbox and noticed you watched this. I, I watched did. this a couple weeks ago. Louis, did you see this one? I did not. It sounds crazy. It's weirdly kind of dull for the first half when yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee is mostly not in. And then when Jennifer Jason Lee when the film centers around her character it's fucking insane like (laughs) yeah it's it's also nuts because they do this thing with her where until she's actually really important towards the end she's basically a prop yes like like she keeps doing stuff and there'll be a character to be like how does she do that she's blind and deaf and her sister has to be like yeah she's still a person so like yeah (laughs) and i was i was a little annoyed by that but uh, I think the reason why, and this is a, a little inside baseball on this specific movie, so it was written and shot as a thriller, and the slasher genre was just starting to take gotcha. hold, mm-hmm. and so they reshot a bunch of it with slasher special effects. They got Tom Savini in, they did, you know, there's a lot of beheadings and a lot of stabbings yeah. now. They were like, it's, it's 1981, murder's in. It, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, it's very sleazy. I mean, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I do think she's very, like the, there's a bit, there's a very like wait until dark, and if you have yes. not listened to our Audrey Hepburn episode, please do. But there's a bit where the killer is in the house with her and she's like making a sandwich and she sets a knife down and then she goes to pick it back up and he's moved it. And that's yeah. how she knows she's not alone. That is the most fucked up part of that movie yeah. to me is the the suspense of like, he just keeps moving shit around in front of her and she yeah. has to keep being like, wait, no, there was a cake here or something. Right, like, right, right. It, like, it's so fucked up. And I or, I, or like she calls the dog, but like she can't see oh. or hear this dog. And so like she's like looking for the dog, trying to and the dog isn't there anymore because he's got he's rid been of the yeah. OK. Well. And then the fucked up thing about this movie, too, is once she fights back against her uh, assailant, she regains her sight and hearing. <laughs> yes. So, Stop. so it is it is a serious. <laughs> it is a trauma induced uh, blindness. It's like a hysterical blindness, hysterical deafness, uh, hysterical muteness, and she regains them all. She regains her attack. powers after yeah. she. It's like um, and, and, and it, like not to like get too spoiler, but there's a scene after she like regains. She's like slowly regaining her sight, and she picks up a gun, and it's kind of like, uh, how do I aim the gun at him? And it's yeah. like, okay, I think it's an uncommon ability to tap into that sort of. Uh, traumatic situation that early in your career and be like oh I'm like seeing myself for the first time since I was a little kid yeah and Um, the crazy thing is that this is something this is this type of uh, plot I I, I don't want to say twist but development with her character in terms of regaining a certain sense this is not the first movie that or this is the first movie that she's in that but that this is a trope that we will come back to in another movie, oh yeah which is insane <laughs> like you can't you can't do this sort of stuff anymore i mean like yeah I, I i you know for understandable reasons it's not exactly sensitive but uh in terms of like for a slasher movie at that time period it's definitely uh provocative i guess yes. i mean maybe not the right word but uh, I, you know what i'm i think i, I, I called it tawdry yes like it's very that's a better that. word yeah. yeah um her next film is of course basically her breakout in 1982 she plays a teenager who gets pregnant in the cameron crow scripted high school comedy fast times at ridgemont high 
directed by Amy Heckerling, who we just brought up last week because we talked extensively about Clueless. Yep. And and so like it's one of those things I think that I I forget personally that it's like, oh, Amy Heckerling like redefined the teen comedy twice. Yes. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I had never seen this movie before. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I knew of the like famous pool scene, obviously. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um I have thoughts about this movie that are like <laughs> I was like, oh, people always talk about how like exploitive and like reductive this movie. I was like, I think it's kind of fucking rad. I think yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, it fucking it slaps. I was like, these girls are in charge of their fucking bodies. These girls mm-hmm. are sucking carrots off in front of guys in the cafeteria. <laughs> Don't give a fuck. Like, and even that scene where this girl is sexualized, it's like, it's literally a dream. And yeah. Sh- and and that girl, she has a boyfriend the entire time long distance and never cheats on him, you know? Like she but she's a sexual yeah. she's the one who has experience um i was like no all these pe- kids are people like they're they're yeah. actual humans yeah. um the other thing about that scene with phoebe cates taking off the red bikini is that that everybody forgets about is that she ultimately gets the last laugh because yes. um it's judge reinhold like masturbating to her and then she goes into the bathroom and sees him like jerking off in yeah. his own little fantasy of her and she's like Ugh, and just yeah. shuts the door <laughs> yeah i just like the, the idea that it's not this is not a teen comedy where it's just like the boys are jerking off and like looking at the girls literally these girls are like trying to hook up like they yeah, yeah. you know are they are also interested in sex and think boys are cute and like it just feels a very real i think i had a small chip on my shoulder because i i have a healthy distrust of anything from our parents age that people are like this is a classic and i'd seen this before but i had that in the back of my mind i was like there's no way this is that good especially because i think a lot of people love the spicoli stuff more than mm-hmm. is sure. necessary like yeah, yeah. no, that guy ugh. um they sh- they had to shoot more scenes with him because the test audiences loved him so like the dream sequence with him as the surfer and whatnot that was all added later um oh okay, and i yeah. think amy amy heckerling i think was told to market it around the sean penn character because yeah. it would get and it's funny i i had a a different type of chip on my shoulder with seeing this because in high school it was like all the high school jocks who are straight high school men like loved right. this movie and then i'd look at the poster or the dvd cover and it's just like i don't know like yeah. i didn't yeah like for years i didn't know it was basically jennifer jason lee is the protagonist much she more is. so right. she than, is. than sean well, well i mean i think that's the thing is that i think the the image in your brain is phoebe cates taking off her top in moving in slow motion to the cars moving in slow motion and uh, yeah i think i think that's what your brain associates with but you i think you're both right i actually really liked this movie i think it's very much a, a like masterpiece of its time and it's so funny that so many film reviewers including roger ebert himself went after it for thinking it was the thing that it wasn't right and mm-hmm. it, it, sexist it, it's, exploitative right and it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I feel like you didn't actually, in- you just watched the movie, you didn't engage with it. Like, yeah. You actually have to be having a conversation with what's happening in front of you. And uh, yeah, I, I really like it. And also, two things, uh, you know, she's 20 at this point, and she's keeps getting cast because she looks much younger. That's the reason why she ends up with a lot of these roles. Uh, but the sex scene in which she does get pregnant is like, kind of graphic and uncomfortable that scene was much longer and they and the mpaa made them cut it down 
So the film would not receive an X rating. Wow. She did press at the time the movie came out to basically be like, I do not support censorship. Like, I don't understand. As like this shy 20 year old. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's really great. It touched on all the anxieties and it's a very anxious time in a girl's life. And so the scene was cut. The, the MPAA felt it was way too graphic. It actually wasn't all that graphic. It was no more graphic than, for example, the Blue Lagoon or Endless Love. It just wasn't pretty. It wasn't romanticized. So that's shocking. It was just the way it was brilliantly cut. And I think it's a shame that it's out because I think it was a classic in its own right. And then two, uh, you know, this is a movie in which the main character has an abortion yeah. and it's never seen as a negative thing. And no. it's not a big deal. Literally, right. she, the boyfriend, or not the boyfriend, but the fucking guy never takes her. She goes by, by herself. She gets it done. Her brother picks her up. And she's yeah, like, and her brother's basically like, yeah, chill. sure. Yeah. You know, whatever you need. I, I um, listened to the Karina Longworth uh, erotic 80s podcast, and she mentions that apparently there was much more of the abortion subplot that was shot and filmed, including Jennifer Jason Lee getting the procedure, and that it was apparently showing, you know, that it was painful. And apparently Amy Heckerling was told to remove it because people were like, this is supposed to be a comedy. And like yeah. Amy Heckerling got in, like put in like a situation where it was like she could at, like cut that stuff out and then go back and do like um, some sort of edits uh, or sounds edits or something. And it was basically Hollywood made it impossible for her to basically have a finished product without removing that stuff, which yeah. the movie itself still a great fucking movie. One of the best high school movies ever. But I do wonder what it would have been like tonally if, you know, Amy Heckerling did get to keep that footage in, especially because, you know, with everything going on in the country right now, Jesus fucking Christ. Not to get into like too much of that. No, but you're you're right. It's, it's radical for its time. It's radical now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she then moves on from there. You know, her stars on the rise, but she does like a tip spot in the Rodney Dangerfield movie Easy Money, um, and, and she starts getting cast as kind of um, uh, she she gets like a reputation for being like naive, damaged. innocent girl. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Like. Like, ooh, like, uh, you know, I and I think it's because she's, even though she did Fast and Times at Richmond High and she did do this comedy, I think people still have the eyes of a stranger on their brain. And so they see her as this sort of, I, I the parallel I kept thinking about was very Jamie Lee Curtis, mm. but mm. then her career takes a radical turn. And and I it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I wonder if Jamie Lee Curtis had maybe said no to like one last horror movie <laughs> early on in her career. <laughs> that turn would have happened sooner. Um, also, tragedy in her personal life strikes around this time. And, uh, you know, this is not a Vic Morrow episode, but I do think we have no choice but to talk about it. Uh, her father is taking part in the Twilight Zone movie. Uh, it is a anthology film directed by four different directors, produced by Steven Spielberg. And her father is in the John Landis section. Famously, her father is killed during the making of that movie. They're shooting a scene in Magic Mountain, California, which is supposed to be Vietnam. It was too late at night. It was around between 11 and 12 p.m. Uh, John Landis had hired two children actors. You're not supposed to have children up that late when you're making a movie. Uh, They were shooting the scene over and over again. 
uh, Vic Morrow was said to have told John Landis like this, uh, you know, thank you for giving me this role. This is really going to re jumpstart my career, but also was heard. Uh, this may be apocrypha. This may be not his last words being like, Jesus, I shouldn't be doing this. I should have asked for a stunt man. And uh, he is running with the two children and a helicopter pilot uh, his the a special effect goes off and it fuses the rotary blades in the back of the helicopter. The helicopter crashes, uh, kills one of the kids by landing on top of them and cuts Vic Morrow and the other kid in half. Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, John Landis reportedly was saying, get closer, get closer before it happened. Uh, I mean, there's Jesus tapes of him. Fucking there's, Christ. Yeah, yeah, there's tapes of him saying, like, what the fuck is this helicopter doing in my shot before realizing that people had died? Uh, yeah, and the the truly unfortunate thing is, is, as I mentioned very early on, she did not have the greatest relationship with Vic Morrow. They were estranged, and she has said in many interviews that the real tragedy of it is she always thought in her head someday they would get to star together in something, mm. and it would fix their entire mm. relationship. Oh. And she just never got to experience that. In terms of my father, I'm just my father's daughter. You know, yeah. I look like him, I walk like him, my f- expressions are like his, it's... It's unbelievable. Whenever I see him, you know, whenever I'm like watching Turner movie right. classics and Black he comes Lord on, Jungle yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like stop right. and then, you know, I bring my son in and show him. Her and her sister file a wrongful death lawsuit. The settlement they received has never been disclosed. Uh, it disclosed. They've never talked about it. Uh, yeah, John Landis had to pay though. And yeah, Anza. Fuck yeah, it's off. it's a real black spot on Hollywood. It's one of those things that like I think really changed the way people do stunts and yeah. special effects mm-hmm. and and th- I mean there wasn't a doctor on the set. They didn't have a doctor on the set. We've we've said this before on this podcast and I'll say it again like people are more important than art. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. John, John Landis's shitty little fucking movie was not worth, you know, the lives that they lost. Like no movie is and Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, there's yeah. no movie worth dying over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so she goes through this really um, emotional trauma when she's like 21, uh, which is why it's extra sad to hear her say things like, I really thought we'd be able to act together to this day yeah. because you know yeah. that she lost him at such a young age. Right. Uh, but back <laughs> back into her professional career. And this is where I was getting at with the with the turn. Um, in 1985, she plays a virginal princess in the Paul Verhoeven flesh and blood, stylized as flesh plus blood, uh, medieval epic. Uh, I just watched this today. It's really out there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Even by Verhoeven standards, this thing is really nasty. (laughs) Like, and I love Verhoeven, but I actually didn't, I feel bad that I didn't get to rewatch this one, but even, um, even by his standards, I mean, there's some fucked up shit in this movie (laughs) she's literally cast because she looks 14 and she is like i want to say she's nude for 60 percent of this movie jeez and i mean there's a scene where she gets raped and the the thing that like sets that scene apart is she like takes charge like uh, paul verhoeven was paul verhoeven was accused of making it seem like she was enjoying the rape but what happens is is Rucker Hauer rapes her, and in the middle of the rape, she, like, pretends to take charge to, like, t- 
take the power away from him during the right. scene. And she and like literally one of his friends who's watching it is like, she's fucking you. Like, yeah, so it's it's dark. It's real dark. It's really it, complicated. She's also she survives this whole movie, I believe, which yes. many of these people do not. And yeah, Verhoeven's it, being, you know, like he typically is, especially because, you know, he's had sexual assault in almost all of his movies, uh, never making it. Uh, he, 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 he complicates it and makes it as thorny as he possibly can. And uh, it's not something that it's not, a, it's not an enjoyable film. It's a gross movie. I mean, I yeah. like the movie, uh, as, I, as I feel the same, say, but I feel the same yeah. way. I don't think it's a good movie, but I like it. I don't I, understand I, how that works. I, I'm not even sure. Like, uh, like I, I wish I rewatched it because like I was, but it is also one of those things where I was like, even as a Verhoeven fan myself i'm like this thing is so grimy and disgusting i don't know when i'm gonna be in the mood for this and then i just yeah ran there, out of time. i mean there's there's <laughs> like, pl- there's plague in the film there's uh d- dead dogs there's yeah. you know uh, i feel there's like a, the only there's like a positive gay relationship in it which yes. i think is the funniest fucking thing in the world for all of its darkness there's two queer characters and they're the only characters who are loyal to each other the entire wow. movie yeah and it, it's typical of most verhoven movies and that what you take away from it is uh i think you put in your letterbox thing oh everyone is awful and the world yes. is shit like i mean <laughs> essentially and, and if you can get on board with Verhoeven's sense of nihilism, which I, you know, typically can, then it's it's certainly worth your time. But yeah, trigger warning, it's uh, not an easy watch. You've got an innocent face, but naughty feet. Oh. Well, a sin is not a sin if no one sees it. Oh. Really? Yes. I feel like in this era, you know, and, and Gavin, you point to, like, how young she looks, and she's typically playing these younger people. Like... It's almost as if Hollywood is like, oh, ha, ha, ha. We have the perfect little girl to, like, abuse. Yeah. And honestly, unfortunately, she, like, she, the, the Hateful Eight, hello? Like, she is, uh, she yeah. plays so many characters that just get the shit beat out of her. Like, either yeah. literally, mentally, psychologically. Um, of this era, uh, I saw Heart of Midnight. Um, I, and I was And I was just like... <laughs> it's the it's the beginning of her like not knowing what's real and what's not like a, a woman unbound and like because she she is very striking she's very beautiful but she has a very unique um you know uh look and but she's just like the tiniest little petite girl and so um it's it sometimes does veer into like exploitive oh yeah i mean i i I literally just watched Sister Sister, which is also from this era, which, by the way, Tia and Tamara Maori, nowhere to be seen. Ugh. Don't understand. Turn it off. Um, the And that movie is a movie where it's like, is she schizophrenic? Is she seeing ghosts? And in the end, the movie's like, it's ghosts. And it's like, wait a second. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, even going back to Eyes of a Stranger, like, and uh, there's another TV movie she did in 1983 called Girls of the White Orchid, where I was like, it's a TV movie. Nothing that bad will happen. And like, she's assaulted in all of these movies or, or, you know, uh, you know, nude scenes are required. And it is like that yeah. thing. But it, it, it goes <clears throat> it's back nude to, scenes from the beginning. Eyes yeah. of a Stranger she's nude in. Like, yeah. And it's... not in a consensual way. No, <laughs> like it's it's really upsetting. Like, yeah, it 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 is. T- I mean, it, one, it's telling how like committed she is to like the craft, and like I I don't think this is like a her problem. I think it's like at the time specifically, Hollywood really liked beating girls up, 
and like especially small pretty girls um she play i mean and coming up next like she plays a lot of prostitutes right um mm-hmm. who get go through the fucking ringer it's just well, it's a lot yeah 1990 comes around she stars in both last exit to brooklyn and miami blues both films come out within four months of each other both films she plays a sex worker very different movies mm-hmm. um Last Exit to Brooklyn is about a worker strike as well as like a, a male gang, has queer themes in it. It's all set in the 50s. Is that yes, right? Or, it's in the yeah. 1950s. Yeah. Yeah. And she plays a character named Tralala, which I love. Hot. And, <laughs> and bleach, bleach blonde hair and eyebrows. Like she went for that white on white look. Incredible. And. And then you have Miami Blues, where she plays a young college student who is a sex worker to pay for college, and she gets involved with literally a sociopath played by Alec Baldwin. Yes. Who is just running around, basically doing his 1990 version of the Joker. Yeah, he's playing and, He's playing Batman. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, both of these are, like, polar opposites, but also fall yes. in the same range, and fall with her... It's interesting because they, as I said, they're they're different, but she is victimized in both movies in different mm-hmm. ways. It does feel like, you know, she's so uninterested or maybe I, I don't know, like a lot all these movies. She's like, yeah, this is fucking real art. We're going to get fucking nasty yeah. and gross. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Miami Blues isn't. I mean, it's kind of silly. Uh, I will say I like her accent work in, there, in that movie. She, yeah. she she does a lot mm-hmm. of southern accents and she's rocking that little pixie cut. Uh Oh yeah, you know she she is you know um, uh, mistreated and and victimized by fucking unfortunately very hot Alec Baldwin. Um, Very hot. Yeah, like as terrible as Alec Baldwin is, his chest hair back then was like the eighth wonder of the world. I was (laughs) deeply disturbed by how attractive I found Alec Baldwin in this movie for a variety of reasons. It's also a bit different now watching it in the year 2023, where the plot revolves around Alec Baldwin steals a gun and causes chaos. It's not the movie's fault. I like Miami Blues a lot, but you can't help but be like, oh, (laughs) it's a little different now. I think she's, I mean, it's funny because this is where, uh, uh, you know, she gets that like Meryl Streep of Bimbo's comment told. Right. Her. But I think she's actually pretty good in Miami Blues. You know, she's, oh, I think she's great. Yeah. Yeah. You showed up. I brought you a present. Oh, really? I, I got you one too. Present from a client. Well, hey, I'm more than a client. Shit happens when you party naked. <laughs> Look at us. I, I was just going to get you the plain shit happens, but. I thought you liked the part naked part. Hey, that's the best part. <laughs> it's really interesting, too, because as much trauma as she's inflicting upon herself, it doesn't... I mean, she she definitely, like, she learned the Strasbourg, like, pretend you're holding a cup of coffee, like, feel the warmth. How heavy is it? But I feel like she doesn't take it and internalize... Like, her method is more about research. And my mother is really, like, my hero, and she... She was just a beautiful example to me as a young girl that women work and they love what they do and um, they're impassioned by it and devoted to it. And she was very serious, always very serious about it. And, you know, I would, she's a writer, so she would be typing, smoking lots of cigarettes, <laughs> typing. And then when I started acting, she instilled in me a love of research because she loves to research. And she said I needed to know everything about my character and if, there was something my character did practically 
speaking that I had never done, for example, serve pizza to paying you know, people at Perry's Pizza, then I should get a job there, and I did. She said I should keep a journal for every character I played, so I would have not only the memories of the scenes in them, in the script, but also things that had nothing to do with the screenplay, um, but that could inform my performance and my behavior. And, and that, was, that is really, I, I really recommend that to people. I, I find that really, really helpful. But she also says she fucking hates notes. She doesn't take notes on scripts. <laughs> she reads scripts and she's just like, cool, and then I feel it. So I really hate making notes. You do? Okay. Yeah. I just like to read it and see if I enjoy it or I don't enjoy it. It's like when I watch a movie, I don't talk during the movie, you know, or write down my... I know I have friends who like write down their thoughts about the movie afterwards. I don't, I don't do any of that. <laughs> I've been reading screenplays, I don't know, since I was nine. Um... And I read them the same way. I just want to read them and feel what I feel from it. Um, but I don't always finish a screenplay. I mean, if, I, if I'm if i really not liking it, I don't. Uh-huh. Amazing, amazing. But anyways, back into her career. You know, I think, I think the next couple of things to talk about, I did not get to Rush in 1991, but I, she does a big studio Hollywood film. She does do the big studio action movie. Unfortunately, she plays the wife and it. But she does Ron Howard's 1991 film, Backdraft. In uh, America, there are 5,000 firefighters. And they're fighting fires every day. I was like, okay. We watched this for what, Gavin? We watched this. I, I don't. I've I have not rewatched this since I was a teen. So I don't know. I, I watched this for some fucking episode of ours. And I was like this. I was like, okay, yeah, work, girl. Like firefighters she, they have jobs yes she she has said that this is the last time she's ever taken her friend's advice essentially her friends <laughs> wow. were like you need to stop playing such damaged women and so she was like i'll play like a normal person and she hated it uh i was gonna save this for the one star review because i do like when one of our one of our subjects actually has a one star review of herself but she, yeah, she said she hated doing this movie and she was not good in it and that she doesn't think that she gave her all. And she literally told Ron Howard at one point that she wished she could have played the fire because it was the best written character in the yes. movie. <laughs> and I will admit, I did not watch this movie because it wasn't like I, I was planning to, but I didn't prioritize it as such because I knew about all of this and all the friends I asked were like, yeah, she's barely in it, even though she's like third build. Um, right. I did, as a kid, when I went to Universal Studios in L.A., they had the backdraft ride. And by ride, it means you go into a room and there's a fence there and then things catch on fire and then they are not on fire anymore. And then you leave. (laughs) (laughs) And even as a kid, I was like, this fucking sucks. Like, (laughs) I just realized I watched this. I watched this for uh, Cinema Gals um, and it was 1991. (laughs) <laughs> um yeah uh, very good very good terminator I, the other one yeah I terminator did, the other one i'm pretty sure i went on terminator immediately after the backdraft ride and was like <laughs> okay this shit rules i think i was just really pumped to rewatch 1992 single white female because here's <laughs> here's where the party starts here's, this, where, the pixie, here's where the pixie cut starts <laughs> yes this is the jennifer jason lee banger from the 90s this is jennifer <laughs> jason lee coming in answering a wanted ad for a roommate Bridget Fonda's all like, hey, you seem normal. normal. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, um, have, do you see my hair? I'm not normal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Jennifer Jason Lee comes in and tries to make Bridget Fonda her dead twin. Yeah. And 
I forgot all about the dead twin stuff. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. I love I love the fact, by the way, the, the box of secrets in the movie that her character has is a, a part of her like research method was like, I'm gonna fill it with stuff that I so like that oh. it, that like split picture of her and Bridget Fonda pasted. That's something the fucking Jennifer Jason Lee made. Oh my that God. is not that oh, wasn't wow. like scripted. That's a that was a thing commitment. Jennifer Jason Lee made to put in the box. And she said she put some real stuff in the box and luckily nobody found it. She's like, it was a real risky thing. <laughs> yeah. She's like, real secrets that I wouldn't want people to know. I love, I just love the the stiletto. Did she, was it an accidental kill him? Or do you uh, think no. she like, no. She, no. Kills, yeah. she yeah. kills Steven Weber on purpose. Yes. <laughs> As one should. I just love that they slow-mo it down. Like, it was very kind of like Indian soap opera. Like, just like, do, 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 do. Ah! You know? La- last week, we had... The fucking Paul Rudd fucking Tim Daly from Wings. This week we have Jennifer Jason Lee fucking Steven Weber from Wings. When will the reign of terror end? No one on Wings is safe. Oh God, that's such a good, it's so like, it's so, that's the most uncomfortable scene in the movie too because you immediately know, oh, that's not, that's not fucking. That's not Jennifer Jason Lee. <laughs> that, no, I mean, no, that's, that's not Bridget yeah, Fonda. That's, Bridget that's Fonda. Jennifer Jason like, Lee. Oh God, how far are they going to go? I mean, it's 1992. Oh, they go all the way with this yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, the thing I it's funny I rewatched this because I knew the first time I watched it a few years ago I didn't like it and I'm like I must have been in a bad mood because I don't love this movie I think as much as you two do but I do think it's uh, a very good like prime example of if you wanted to be like what were erotic thrillers like in the 90s this would be yeah. like in the top Hello. like five and and that's definitely the thing like from a psychological standpoint and I know she did a bunch of research she actually said she did a bunch of research for not only people with mental illness, but people with twins. I met some twins, yeah, and I also read uh, a lot of literature on twins, and um, there's a lot of fascinating literature on this. There's a, you know, a lot of times also what happens with, not necessarily twins, but in a, when their sibling dies, there's a tremendous amount of envy from the surviving sibling to the dead sibling because the parents are in such a state of mourning that they can't really parent the surviving child, and in fact, all the attention is going to the dead sibling, so the the surviving one tends to really envy the dead one, and that is not, you know, it's, it's a very painful um, place to be, I guess. Uh, and listen, as I said, you know, it's this this movie where this mentally unstable woman basically starts to become the person that she is living with, which is Bridget Fonda. The thing yeah. That- I forgot about though is Bridget Fonda's a shitty roommate too. Like I forgot oh, yeah. how much Bridget Fonda just kind of sucks in this thing and that she doesn't really get unhinged until like, cause at the beginning she's like, look, I know that you've gone through this breakup. This isn't just like a quick rebound thing. And she's like, no, no, absolutely not. And then like a month later, they're like, yeah, we're back together. We need you to get out. And it's like, fucking sucks. Like, yeah, no, she <laughs> truly does. I, oh, I didn't even think about that too. Parallels between object of my affection in this as well. Mm, that Steven mm-hmm. Weber kicks her out and that's why she needs a roommate. Is Steven. Oh, oh yeah. Because yeah, 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 yeah. he was on wings with, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, yeah, I think Bridget Fonda and it's funny. Bridget Fonda has a very nineties gay stereotype best friend. And I am happy this movie, like it gets awfully close to the kill your gays trope from the nineties. But then she, yeah no yeah don't, don't want to say too much but right. yeah it's me isn't it i'll change ally i can change no that's not it at all you've been a good roommate it's 
It's just, this is the man I'm gonna marry. I want us to start our lives together. Well, he will cheat on you again. That's a promise. And when he does, don't come running to me, okay? Because I've had it with you. You're so fucking weak. She wins her first, like, big award. She gets the MTV Movie Award for Best Villain, honey. <laughs> and yeah. in the 90s, that meant something, okay? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I, I would be remiss if we didn't pop into 1995's adaptation of Dolores Claiborne, a film that we've talked about a lot on the show previously. Dolores Claiborne but, is, yeah. is so near and dear to me. I love this movie so yeah, much. It is top tier the mixed reviews yes between our kathy bates episode between our stephen king episode mm -hmm. and i do think jennifer chase speaking of tormented women she plays you know a, a daughter that has come home because her mother has been accused of killing this woman of moida yes <laughs> <laughs> and and uh years ago her mother uh had maybe killed her father perhaps do we know perhaps we don't know. and there's what did a he do we don't know we don't know what's real what's <laughs> fake we don't know and and it comes out midway through the movie that dolores claiborne like realized that jennifer jason lee's character was being sexually assaulted by him mm -hmm. when she was a child and the scene and when she's on the ferry and those memories come back <gasps> to her yeah he's so traumatically acted and so just like there's no <sighs> there's no words there's no words there's no words she's in the she's in the mirror on the ferry and, like, she's had this really horrible fight with her mom, who is literally about to go defend herself against this asshole cop who, like, is trying to take her down. And it's just the music. It's tension. It's, like, the perfect Stephen King, you know, psychological. And, and what's great is, like, she is this woman who's working it out by herself. She's, like, I think this is a really great example of, like, her, even though she is kind of fucked up. She is very strong. And, like, yeah. mm -hmm. she goes and just, like, sees this, like fucking vision of her younger self and, and her father and um, she had done research enough to find out that like this is often how traumatic memories manifest in people that you often see them as an out-of-body experience as a third person mm -hmm. uh and so i think it's so well played in the so movie good. too she, yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and especially in a movie full of like great performances like yes i mean kathy bates fucking runs over this movie in a second yeah. track Maybe you ought to slow down. Believe me, I know my limit. Yeah. Don't that sound familiar? I see my share of drunks is all. That's all I'm saying. What did he have to be happy about? I suppose making sure everyone else was as miserable as he was. Is that why you killed him? The movie slowly reveals like she is she is not the normal one. She she yeah. is from Maine and has all this. She's from Maine too, so she's weird too. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I love this movie. This movie is like seriously top of the mixed reviews mountain for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, in 1995, she also does the movie Georgia, which is a, a total family affair for oh. her. Mm -hmm. Georgia is a, a film written by her mother. Um, essentially, Jennifer Jason Lee sort of asked her mother to write her a movie about her older sister's problems. Mm. And so it's like semi-autobiographical, but not really because it's about a family of singers, not necessarily a Hollywood family. 
but she plays the younger sister to uh, a family that was famous for their music. And the, her older sister played by Mayor Winningham is, you know, has this beautiful voice and, and she doesn't. And yeah, she Mayor, Mayor famously yeah. a Broadway actor girly, yes. musical girly. What's um, cool is she had met Mayor Winningham at that acting camp years ago. Mayor Winningham's like wow. two years older than her. And she always thought of Mayor Winningham as like, she was like, she was always friendly. She was always kind. She always made me and my friends feel included. So I thought she's the perfect older sister. And so that's why they cast her. Yeah, this, is a, really, this is a really great movie and like uncomfortable movie, but like in yes. all the right i don't like uh, typically and, and in the way that you know those paul Rudd movies make me uncomfortable and i don't like it um yeah. this movie is uncomfortable but i'm like oh there's purpose here the purpose is like this this woman who thinks she's a singer this woman who you know clearly has an addiction problem um yeah the the, the it's almost a concert movie because there's like very extended musical scenes where she's singing live and yeah. it's like, Oh my God. You know, but she's, she, she so deeply wants to be a performer like her sister. And, um, and Mayor Winningham's like, LOL, whatever. I have a family. I watched this for the first time last week. And yeah, I agree with you. It's deeply uncomfortable. And it's like the most uncomfortable concert like movie you can watch because it is. And like- then everyone's like, Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and you, and uh, it's she was supposed to get nominated over Mayor Winningham, right? Or like, well, that's well, so that's what I was just gonna say. So oh. the 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 reaction out of this movie is uh, they're both doing career best work, and that she gets nominated for pretty much every critic award. Like I said, she produced this movie; it was a whole family affair. And then the Academy Awards roll around, and Mayor Winningham gets nominated for best supporting actress. And Jennifer Jason Lee gets nothing. And every critic is up in arms because they're literally like, this is the best performance this year. Like, this is better than any other movie that's out right now. How wow. dare you? Wow. And she's overlooked. That's crazy. Crazy. I mean, especially because Mare, Mare has some good scenes. I mean, the scene where she's like, you're not a singer. You're not a singer. Well, you don't do anything desperate. You don't feel anything desperately. It's not in your nature. Feeling isn't your strong suit, Georgia. No, not like you. Nothing consuming. No, not passion. Passion? Okay, passion. Or pain. No, or suffering. That's a gift you mistake for voice, Sadie. My God, it's how you define yourself. It's yours, I'll give you that. And Sadie's pain has to be fed, goddammit kept alive and we're all here ready to serve you don't sing Sadie you can't sing I like that there's no easy conclusion in this movie either where like it's not you know at one point Jennifer Jason Lee does go to rehab but then the problems just keep persisting it's not like like and now we're a family again yeah or no we're never it's talking not, it's, to each other again it's just right. one of those things where yeah it is, is what it is I mean that's addiction it is what it is there's no happy ending yeah. And and what's interesting about Jennifer Jason Lee, and I know this is bouncing around a little bit because we're in 95 already, but I do want to bring up that she has a, a ability to really pull in, like she's not going to take every script that's offered to her, but she is very much into working with auteurs and independent mm-hmm. film directors. So in 93, she does her first Robert Altman film, Shortcuts, and then follows that up in 96 with Kansas City. 
another Robert Altman film. She also worked with the Coen brothers in 1994 for the Hudsucker Proxy. Mm -hmm. And she also played uh, Dorothy Parker and Alan Rudolph's Miss Parker in the Vicious Circle in 1994. And almost (laughs) all of these are really acclaimed performances. She's in her indie girl bag. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw Miss Parker in the Vicious Circle all the way back when we did Stanley Tucci and he's in a he's scene. He's in one scene. He has <laughs> yeah. maybe one line. Oh, I was mad. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but I love, I love her work with Robert Altman. What's really, mm-hmm. um, funny slash tragic is that, uh, her father was on Robert Altman's TV show that he used to direct all the time, hmm. which was combat. So like he has known her since she, I think she said since she was seven and wow. she said it was really funny when she did shortcut she did a lot of research for sex workers and they did the whole movie together and then her first day on the set of kansas city she walked up to him to say hi and he's like could you get me a coffee <gasps> and she went and got it for him and then wow. he was like oh wait you're jennifer jason oh lee oh my god <laughs> wait a second are you jennifer jason lee yeah i read somewhere too that like all the phone sex scenes that she did in shortcut she like did like meet with actual sex workers and then like met back up with robert altman and was like here's all the stuff that they would say and robert altman like completely scrapped everything from the script it was like yeah you do you you like right. yeah and that's a very robert <laughs> like, altman thing robert altman is yeah. like i these characters you don't have to say the lines you can do whatever lines you want as long as it's like within the realm of it like you find the character and you bring it to the film that's you, very he, you love Robert Altman. He's your oh, number one, right? I, yeah, he's my number I, one. I, 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 I love on him any, too. Oh, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> on any given day, I might switch it up, but for the most part, Robert Altman is usually my favorite We filmmaker. talked about shortcuts in Julianne Moore. Yes. Um, uh, I saw uh, Kansas City for this, and this is also yeah. the era of, like, kooky accent work. Um, yeah. yeah. A, lot, a lot of, like, what do you mean? Or, you know? I, I think she's very good in shortcuts i do not think she's good in kansas city and i oh. it's a really it's what really do you unfortunate mean, johnny johnny what do you yeah mean? Um, it's, also I'm it's just gonna, a lot this is not fun for a podcast but wow. she is my phone background well wow. if you watch on patreon you yeah, can see it, charlie's phone background <laughs> what, where's uh, that from that's from shortcuts oh, that's from yeah. it's like she's counting the amount of time it takes for someone to come and then she hangs up <laughs> yeah incredible <laughs> yeah I, lo- I love her in that uh mrs parker in the vicious circle i just did want to bring up uh, this is a really contentious performance. Uh-huh. A lot of people, a lot of people are like, "Oh, she was so good as Dorothy Parker." A lot of people were like, "Ladies, just mumbling, <laughs> darling, I don't know what you mean." <laughs> but she's also drunk most of the time, right. so like, I, I am on the side. I'm on her side. I actually think she's very good. I don't love the movie. Resume. Razors pain you. Rivers are damp. Acids stain you and drugs cause cramp. Guns aren't lawful, nooses give, gas smells awful. You might as well live. The thing that I thought was interesting about it too was it's a lot of the cast is also her real life friends that pop up in other movies like Jane Addams. And Gwyneth Paltrow and Lily Taylor. And oh, all I things. love Lily Taylor. Lily movie. Taylor's amazing. But those are those people that we were talking about. Those like, yeah. like you mentioned right up front, Louis. It's very New York theater. Very. It's very like. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, those are just some of the things. But uh, in 1997, she uh, did, and I, I don't even know if I really need to bring this up because I don't know if either of you saw it. But uh, in 1997, she does a, an adaptation of the Henry James novel Washington Square. We have talked about this story before because 
it is the same basis for the movie The Heiress, which was my five star review in our in my yeah in our Olivia de Havilland episode. Oh, so and good. I think I think she's good in this movie. I think it's unfortunate to like. I feel like that's maybe one you don't remake. Right. I mean, the Harris oh, is a fucking flawless movie. Yes. I, I will say I have not seen the Harris and that's why I kept putting this one off and I didn't oh. get around to it. And I'm so sorry because I think Jennifer Jason Lee would be amazing in a period piece film, especially one that's like, yeah, it's also a yeah. PG rated film where there's just like a lot of, I'm assuming repressed romantic desires as opposed yes. to the more explicit stuff that she's used to. So I oh think my it would be a casting there. You know what's really funny? You want to know why I've seen it before for this show, by the way? Why? Gen- Jennifer Garner's in it in a supporting role when Jennifer he- Garner was like, I'm a serious actress. Wow. So, like, <laughs> wow. You really dug deep for her. I did dig deep. I always dig deep, baby. Uh, but she closes out the 90s by starring in the David Cronenberg film, As Extends, in which she plays a virtual reality game designer. Uh, and this is the movie that I'm the most upset that I didn't watch because God, oh, even that name, even that name is ridiculous. Oh, I Louis, it's love so good. it. While she's filming this, she's also filming a little known movie by a little known director called Eyes Wide Shut by Stanley mm-hmm. Kubrick. Uh, she films an entire subplot in which she plays a former patient of Tom Cruise who becomes obsessed with him. And unfortunately, uh, not all, not all of it worked. And so Stanley Kubrick's like, we need to do some reshoots. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm shooting as extends for David Cronenberg. I'm booked and blast. Go. So sorry. <laughs> and, yeah. And he cut her out of the movie. Wow. Okay. I will yeah. say I love Eyes Wide Shut. I, I yeah. love that movie to death. But Existence is one of my favorite. I don't want to get too far ahead because I know how the show goes. But <laughs> like in terms of like her star her starring uh, performances where she's top billed, I think this is like easily some of the most fun that she's ever had on screen. Yeah. Uh, and and she I, I agree. Incredible, like multiple hairstyles. She are a little weird. She and, has the sexy. Like shout ugh. out to my friend Nadine, by the way. She has one of my favorite hairstyles in a movie, and I sh- I remember watching it with my friend Nadine. And my friend Nadine did that. And it, Louis, I'm so sorry you haven't seen it. And I know podcasts not a visual medium. She has she wears this hairstyle for a portion of the movie where it's straight crimped. Straight, yes. crimped, yes. straight, and it looks amazing on it's, her. And it's like th- that was called Y two K fashion, honey. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and my friend Nadine could pull it off too. Very good. Um, yeah, uh, we'll we'll maybe talk about as extensive yeah. later. She co-stars in the Meg Ryan, Jane Campion erotic thriller in the cut. We talked. Mm. We've talked about. God, why have we talked about besides Mark Ruffalo? I feel like there's another reason we talked about. Oh, because oh, we did the yeah screen drafts. Yeah, we did screen drafts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love In the Cut. I don't, it's one of those like movies I think is underappreciated. I do not know why most people hate it. The thing I love about that movie, In the Cut, is it's uh, it's an erotic thriller, but most of it is from the point of view of women very in control of their own sexuality. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer Jason Lee's character, who plays Meg Ryan's sister, is one of those like very in control, even though she's doing crazy shit, like stealing the dry cleaning <laughs> of the, the, the wife of the man she's been fucking like mm-hmm. but it, it, i i like that aspect of it and i think that's why a lot of people are less uh, into it, kind to it. I, yeah. I i adore that movie and uh, i actually got to introduce a friend of mine uh who had never seen it over the weekend and like 10 minutes into this thing she was like i knew this was gonna be hot but this is like fucking <laughs> oh, pornography yeah. oh yeah <laughs> enough can never be said as a thank you to jane campion for showing us thank you mark so- ruffalo a full frontal and for, and, for, and for that you know we live laugh and love she's uh co-stars in 
uh, Christian Bale's dark thriller, The Machinist. That's the one that he lost like one billion pounds for. It is a she, spooky, ooky movie. <laughs> she does the Canadian film Child Star for Don McKellar. Um, and she she won uh, a Genie Award for that, which is oh. not they're They're no longer called Genie Awards. Is that right? I'm not uh, they, sure. The Academy of Canadian Cinema, I believe that it's now called. But yeah, she won uh, supporting the Canadian, uh, actress. Yeah, the Academy of Canadian Cinema and Television. I yeah, I did not watch this one, but is that the one where she's on the poster with the kiwis on her eyes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny. So she's in Palindromes, which is a Todd Solondz film. And in my research, it was like you know for years she wanted to be in a Todd Solondz movie, and it's like yeah, she was made for Todd Solondz. Yeah. And <laughs> like that, yeah. that's nuts about that. And that's 2004. Is he like known for like dark, spooky shit? Yeah, or d- d- dark, disturbing, sexually shit. explicit. The, yeah, yeah. Hmm. In 2001, uh, shortly after a stint in which she plays Sally Bowles in Cabaret with Alan Cumming Cabaret, on Broadway. Yes. There is no cast recording of that, by the way, which really bums me out. Yeah, because I, would I love to I, listen to that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I I did find like a thousand bootlegs, but <laughs> oh, but, but no cast recording. Um, but after that, they decide to fund their own movie and make their own movie. She had also just done a Dogma 95 film called The King is Dead. And so she was like, oh, I can do this very indie style. It's this film that comes out in 2001. It's the anniversary party. They literally gather as many friends as they can. You know, it's Dennis O'Hare, who was also in Cabaret with them. It's Phoebe Cates, who literally came out of retirement mm-hmm. to do this movie wow. because yeah oh yeah once phoebe kate's married kevin klein she's like i'm not acting anymore um <laughs> and and the, and they've been friends for years by the way after they did fast times at ridgemont high together she has been her best friend which i, I love, love. i love yep. that well i realized that i met like my best friend you know phoebe kate's and i are still like so so close and um that that connection was just immediate and great i mean you can tell she's somebody who worked with robert altman a lot yeah Yeah, that's that but i i don't love the anniversary party i think it's a indulgent in a way that i find off-putting uh but i i think everybody's very good in it yes i i agree i think i like it a little more than you gavin because i did like the intro where it was like oh my god parker posey oh my god phoebe cates kevin klein jane adams in a very neurotic type of role where she's just like my children are allergic to dogs and your dog just brushed up against my leg do you have anything i can change into in your closet and it's just like and then and then she changes into her like galliano dress yeah she's like thanks for letting me borrow this (laughs) and then there's a role that she auditioned for for her husband alan cummings movie and then you find out that the person who is who he cast is coming to the party and it's played by gwyneth paltrow yeah and it's like what's What's funny about that is a lot of the movie is very improv, especially the scenes in which um, that they, they're giving like the anniversary party speeches. Mm-hmm. Not Gwyneth Paltrow's role. Gwyneth Paltrow's role was mostly written. That makes sense because I felt I feel like I don't around... know what I'm saying about Gwyneth Paltrow by saying that, for what you think. But that does make sense because there is like that. It's almost two drawn out scenes of like people and even people that you weren't even really introduced to yet like oh karen kilgariff singing a song on a guitar but that sequence goes on for a really long time and not yeah contained well that's like you you get briefly introduced to the a guy that uh 
Alan Cumming clearly fucked in college. Yeah. And even though he's like married to Jennifer Jason Leigh and the guy's like, I guess our lives went in different directions. And it's like, why do I need this? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get the, that, uh, that, that he's, you know, bisexual. I get it. I get Alan yeah. Cummings bisexual. We got it. Yeah. No, I agree. And, I, and did, did you not think I wouldn't get this from the skirt and the hair clips he wears <laughs> when they all take ecstasy? <laughs> well, that was, like, that, was the, that was the thing that I was about to get to is when Gwyneth Paltrow's giving the last speech and she's like, by the way, my gift to you is this. And they all take ecstasy. I'm like, okay, this movie's going to have a second wind. And then that's when it really lost me <laughs> because yeah. it just revol- it just results in Jennifer Jason Lee and Alan Cummings screaming at each other will like yeah. look for their lost dog and it is just so histrionic without any of like the where is, it kind of feels like out of a different movie where i'm like where is this all coming from like this isn't right. funny anymore and not in a way that like built up to earn any of this we're great we are moving to london and we are having a baby well, you weren't fine last summer when you went sylvia plath on me in connecticut not nice not kind huh. not half so not kind as your husband was in his portrayal of you in his novel why are you doing this? His image of you is a possessive, fragile neurotic. But I am a possessive, fragile neurotic. No, you are not. You are Sally Nash. Listen to me. You are Sally Nash. And you're my best friend for 20 years. And I love you more than anyone. And you are not going to move to London to have the offspring of some sexually ambivalent <laughs> man-child. It's interesting because I think this time in her career is where it's it's kind of a lull point i want to say like she, she i i think part of it is too i don't want to blame it on anybody but while she's making the anniversary party she meets noah bombach Ugh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so uh noah bombach and her get married in 2005 they proceed to do two films together they do margo at the wedding which is 2007 and then they co-write Greenberg, and well, they co-write the story, and then uh, Noah Baumbach adapts that into a screenplay. And yeah, starring and Greta just, Gerwig. Hello. Yep. Yeah, and well, that's the thing, and like, not to read too much into it, but the anniversary party is about a movie is a, a movie about an actress who's marrying a man that's directing a film, and he cast a a, a much younger version of her, and she's really tense about the fact that something is happening there and then it happens in real life literally (laughs) it literally happens in real life and and so yeah i i don't know um i am i'm gonna preface this by saying i probably won't say much because i'm not a no bombach fan i find uh a lot of people are like oh he's the heir to woody allen i will say this woody allen's characters are funny Like Woody Allen's characters, Woody Allen's characters speak in a way that humans speak and are funny about it. I find Noah Baumbach's characters just really pretentious and really like I don't ever I I would kill myself if I was trapped in a Noah Baumbach film. I would not want to be in there for a day. So I mean, if either of you want to talk about Margot and the Wedding and Greenberg, I'll let you have the floor. But they were not my cup of tea. Charlie, Louis. anything? Uh, oh, well, I, I uh, so I did rewatch Margot at the Wedding because I hadn't seen it in, since 2008. I think it came out in 2007, so I got it on disc, and I liked it fine. I do think, and I wrestle with the whole, because I love Jennifer Jason Lee, obviously. I do like Noah Baumbach movies, and I like Greta Gerwig, and I wrestle with this internally because it's like, it's none of my business. It's none of my fucking business. No, but, at the same time, right. but at the same time, it's like, he did leave her when she was pregnant with her 
with their kid and like yeah. you know if you bring that into art where you have Greta Gerwig which was the first time I ever saw her was in Greenberg and you yeah. have Jennifer Jason Lee and they co-wrote that script I will admit I did rewatch Margot at the wedding I didn't rewatch Greenberg mainly because I felt I don't know. Like I, she, I really should have been flying close to the, like, I was like, oh, I don't want to fly too close to the sun and get my personal feelings mixed up, but I really should have because that's when everything collided. It, it does feel like this era is like, you know, she's, and maybe it's the no bomb of it all, but it feels a little bit like right. meandering and like lost because then we suddenly get her in TV. Yeah. You know, she's mm-hmm. in weeds for a little bit. She's in revenge. Like, hello. Yes. Yeah. She is. Which, she, definitely the best part of weeds when that show is starting to like dip nosedive too right <laughs> like like that's around the time where they're like god we need to like <laughs> we need Do somebody something. to resurrect this in some way yeah uh, this uh, and and then though and and i maybe it was the pregnancy maybe it was the you know her marriage to noah bombach does end in 2013 and and i think you know she has said in interviews too like there is a point where you get to an age where yep they stop calling and that you know she's she's not shy about the fact that that has happened to her before and she's she said she one time had a business manager who was like oh honey the money will always be there and she's like that's not true my mom was never good with money like i know <laughs> the money isn't always there what do you mean the um, money will always be there literally no for a lot like, of people yeah um and so uh, you know, she like you said, she's bouncing around doing TV, but I think her next really big thing, of course, is 2015's The Hateful Eight, the Quentin Tarantino Western film. She gets nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, it's her first BAFTA nomination for Best Actress in a Supporting Role. And yeah, it's uh, I had not seen this movie. I had actually, that's the only Tarantino film I had not seen just because the the length and the, I had heard the Samuel Jackson uh, blowjob speech before and was just really turned off by it and it was just like I'm gonna skip this but I knew because we we're doing this and it is her sole Academy Award nomination I would have to see it I watched it today it wasn't terrible it's not <laughs> it's it's Tarantino at his worst instincts and I do I literally thought this today for the first time I he has given so much credit for how good his dialogue is I don't think we give enough credit to the actor's saying his dialogue and yeah. improving it than we give to him have having written it because honestly i think if he has not had samuel jackson saying his dialogue for 25 years <laughs> yeah it might not be as memorable yeah because you need mm-hmm. the swag of samuel jackson uh, yeah i watched this movie last week just to like get it over with it is it is it's brutal it's just brutal you know it's, like it, yeah, and, it's and a lot, movie. And a, in a lot of ways that tarantino's movies are brutal but like this is a. Uh, I just have like a lot of like weird feelings about the way he like portrays he's in an, like yeah black people like there's two there's two like very very supporting black women in, in this movie who are basically just there to be killed. Right. Um, uh, there, there's one Mexican character yeah, and literally Damien Bashir, Damien Bashir, and he's literally there to be insulted for most of it. Yeah, um, that I. Also, and I know once again, separate the art from the artist. As his films have gone on post Kill Bill, it has become it has become increasingly hard to watch his violence against women. And Jennifer Jason Lee has addressed it, and she says she doesn't believe it's exploitative. And she's like that, like 
Kurt Russell's character is a brute. He was always going to be a brute. But also, I don't know the way that her the way that her character specifically goes in this movie is really brutal. I find this him doing the same thing at the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with the female characters there. I found the the same way with um Diane Kruger's character in uh the Glorious Bastards. Bastards. Yeah. Like the the joy he seems to take with the slow torture of women mm-hmm. is begun to be really off-putting to me, especially because it's clear to me Tarantino lives in a world in which there is good and there is bad and there is no in-between. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, th- that lack of empathy just really comes across on the screen. Uh, and so, like, I, I don't know. That's my opinion. Uh, if, if she doesn't feel like she was being exploited in the movie good for her and it is a fun role like she has a lot of fun in it unfortunately anytime she says something a character punches her in the face right and you know she doesn't get to return that at any point so it just just, feels i I don't i don't even know i was like not that to say that she doesn't deserve like her flowers but like i was like what is she doing here like what really is so like oscar worthy of like this i I don't know i I love her in this movie (laughs) what is she doing she's great in it what is she doing probably i think that she gets to be really venomous and i i I guess i'll just is it okay if i take give my take because it's a very complicated one go ahead Uh, thank you uh i i so i like this movie a lot i will say seeing it in 2015 i really loved it um and I still do like it a lot, but it definitely has, it is, I liked it in 2015 for being uneasy and provocative in a way that I thought, and I still like a lot of Tarantino movies, but I thought this was so much more on his mind um, than maybe just after the stuff with Uma Thurman came out, after, you know, and I, I agree with you, Gavin, I'm I'm one of the weird oddballs who once upon a time in Hollywood does not sit well with me because of that ending. It doesn't. And weird thing about this movie is she's not sexualized in any way. No, she's fully clothed the entire time. And she's on what she's trying to be on equal playing ground with everybody else. And everybody is knocking her down for her gender, but she doesn't see herself as lesser. And I don't know how much of this is the performance so much coming out of it or Tarantino's as you put so eloquently Gavin like Tarantino's screenwriting but I do think there is something about watching it this time knowing that she is in on everything and everybody else is a fucking liar she's the only person who is open about how rotten to the core she is like she's the only person who's not wearing a mask in any way and she's just like I'm gonna get the fuck out of here and kill all you I don't care what you got to say about all this what I got to say about John Reese Ravens he's absolutely right me and one of them fellows is in cahoots. We're just waiting for everybody to go to sleep. That's what we're gonna kill y'all. This is a movie that uses the Western, like many people use the Westerns to be like, we're not over how fucked up we are internally. We, we think we're past all this stuff, but it's really all there on the surface. And I don't know how mature Tarantino is in terms of like, doing all that because you have the whole Samuel L. Jackson thing, which is equally disturbing and uh, not exactly sensitive. Tarantino's not a sensitive filmmaker, but there is something that is just so nasty and rooted in these exploitation roots and based in history, but not during an actual historical atrocity like the Holocaust or the, or the Manson killings. Like, I I don't know. I can't shake this movie. And yet I understand why everybody who despises it, despises it. And I do think that she really gets to go 
unhinged in a way I think that that's like a really good like you can't shake it because like the stink is all over you <laughs> like yeah, it's like I mean, it's, such a stink, it's kind of a, it's a stinky movie <laughs> yeah and and i i hope i summed that up okay in a way that makes no. sense because absolutely yeah I, I feel gross watching it and i feel gross for as much as i enjoy it but i, I can't mean, deny that it lingers. that feels that feels like a, a jennifer jason lee you know mantra you know yeah. yeah and hey every 90 year old in the academy who voted for it didn't feel gross watching it but let's just say everything after the hateful eight has been kind of a mishmash of stuff she does lbj in 2016 good time in 2017 this is actually sort of um the good time annihilation possessor the woman in the window like mm-hmm. i think this is still like on her track of like really working with auteurs because you have alex garland in there you have the Safdie brothers in there. You have Cronenberg's son, Brandon Cronenberg, in there. And you have uh, Joe Wright, who, unfortunately, the movie was sort of taken away from him, The Woman in the Window. So give be that as it may, That's the quality obvious. of the film. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do love the fact that she plays a woman named Jane, Ru- Jane Russell in that movie. And it's like, there's a real <laughs> Jane Russell. <laughs> I'm like, there, you're not... You, ma'am, are not Jane Russell. Let's see you do Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of these are really great performances. I did not rewatch Good Time. Good Time makes me uncomfortable. I know a lot of people love it, but that's that's me. Um, we saw Annihilation I'm, together. We did see Annihilation together. Oh. We saw Annihilation together when we uh, did our Natalie Portman episode. Mm-hmm. I think she's great in Annihilation. But that's when you first said that thing at the beginning of the episode, Charlie, about not trying to outshine the people that, that was the first performance I thought of because it is a cast of so many good mm-hmm. actresses. Mm-hmm. I love, but I love her performance in it. I, I do too. And she gets, in my opinion, the key moment of the movie where she says the title and then vomits out lava lamp. like yes. And while she's not doing films, you know, she's busy working off screen. She did, how many seasons? It's 38 episodes of Atypical on Netflix. Yeah, it's a show she three also produced. Three or four? Three, yeah. She also produced it. Uh, she did Patrick Melrose, which is a five-episode miniseries on Showtime. She did the Stephen King Lizzie story adaptation for Apple TV. I have and heard that you, from previous episodes, did not care for it, so I did not I did not venture into it. Oh, Lizzie story? Yeah. Oh I've no! Wait, maybe it. I'm. Oh no! Uh, yeah, maybe that was Chris Pyle. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, that's that makes sense because that is uh, a that's it Chris stars Pyle, Julia Moore, Chris Pyle to a <laughs> yeah, T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, th- there are worse people to be compared to. So uh, Chris is hi, wonderful. Chris. Hi, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, one of my faves, and mm-hmm. uh, she just did Hunters on Amazon, which I think comes out her season of Hunters co- has not come out yet, or is coming out soon. It's coming. I, I don't know. I haven't watched yeah. that show, but she's only and, on season two, and I was like, okay, well, I'm not watching all of season one for that. I'm just not gonna do it. <laughs> and the thing that I'm most excited for is that she's gonna be a main role in season five of Fargo, which I think is fun yes. because she's worked with the Coen Brothers so much to now work on a TV show based off one of their properties. And we've talked about Fargo on the show before because I watched the entire fourth season for when we did our Chris Rock episode. Yeah. And, you know, stage work, obviously, obviously she's been there, done that. Uh, Her performance in Picnic from 1986 is actually available on YouTube. You can see the whole thing. I mentioned Cabaret before, Abigail's Party in 2005, The House of Blue Leaves in 2011. And, you know, incredible, so many awards and everything. And... I, I guess what I'm getting to, and we we talked about her personal life um, with Noah Baumbach, but I 
I think she is absolutely fearless. I think that's one of the mm-hmm. one of the words earlier when you were like, I don't know what it is. And I think it is when she's acting, she doesn't have to be herself because you did mention she's very nervous in interviews, especially the mm-hmm. earlier interviews. You can go in and watch them and you can tell that she is fucking scared to, mm-hmm. to be talking about herself. And I think she's relaxed now. I think she's mm-hmm. has more fun with it and can be more conversational. But she has said, like, it reminds me of the famous Rita Hayworth quote about playing Gilda, which is Rita Hayworth said that men would go to bed with Gilda and wake up with her. And she said, you know, when she was younger, men used to date her and think they were getting this, like, wild and crazy, fearless person and then realized, like, no, she just kind of wants to sit home and, like, just wants to talk about things and let's read some books. And, like, you know, that's not, you know, she says she likes to sleep a lot. Like that's that's her big comfort <laughs> that is thing is sleeping. Unbelievably Same girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I, yeah, totally relatable for that. I don't do great on very little sleep. Really? Mm. That's good to know. Yeah. I like a lot of sleep. Sleep is good. Sleep's great. And I think the other thing that really struck me about her, and it's funny because it, it happened in a movie we didn't even talk about. Uh, she's in uh, Hate Ship, Love Ship, which is not a movie I even liked, but... There, there's a bit in it, she has a very small role, but there's a bit in it where she like enters a scene and she's singing to herself and she doesn't know that she's not alone. Kristen Wiig is in this house and she looks up and sees Kristen Wiig and she stops singing and then she just like smiles and goes, hi. <laughs> and and I, I realized in that moment, I'm like, oh, she like in classical literature, she's a trickster. That is mm-hmm. like, this is the character, the, the one unifying thing that puts all of her roles together. A trickster in classical theatrical literature is a character that has some unknown ability to know what's going to happen and is not sharing it with you mm-hmm. or has a secret and they're not telling you about it. And that's her. That's I feel like every performance in every movie, it's that she has something that's behind her eyes and she's not going to let you in on it unless she wants to let you in on it. Mm-hmm. And I love that about her. Yeah, she's great. Pardon my rant. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 I really, you know, this is what this show is for, right? Like, you know, Jennifer Jason Lee has had those mainstream movies, but also has way more deeply interesting, smaller things because she is this indie queen. She, you know, mm-hmm. has uh, really thrown herself into these bizarro movies that, like. The normal human would not just randomly come across, you know, <laughs> yeah. like like to find these movies, you have to be looking for them. Um, and, it, and it really just like kind of shows that she is unlike some of our other um, guests or not guests, other uh, subjects. And this is no shade to them. She is so deeply uninterested in celebrity. She's yeah. <laughs> she's clearly here in service of storytelling, in service of the craft, in service of the art. Um, and that's just fucking cool because she's really good at it. Yeah. This sounds terrible, but I think luck has a lot to do with it. Because there are so, I know so many brilliant actors that cannot get arrested and do not know why. Yeah. So I do feel like luck must come into it in some way. All right, I think that wraps up uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's Rewind. Why don't we get into our picks and why don't we start with our one star reviews to find out what maybe we didn't like. Charlie, you are the guest of honor, so you get to go first. What is your one-star review? So, I watched 
quite a, a quite a few Jennifer Jason Lee movies over the past few weeks, and I realized that I was getting to a point where I was like, I don't hate any of these. <laughs> <laughs> like it, 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 it and I and I always love her in them. And then I was kind of like, well, I you know I've listened to your show tons of times. I need to come up with a one star movie. So uh, last night at the very tail end, I watched Amityville: The Awakening. <laughs> Because I knew, I was like, I, I was like, this thing isn't going to be good, is it? And no. uh, it's even worse than I thought it was going to be. And I will also say, I am not an Amityville horror uh, aficionado. I've only seen the shitty remake with Ryan Reynolds. Uh, and if it was, makes you feel better, we talked about the original on our Cinema Hauntings episode, and I hate the original too. Like, yeah, I, I just don't like the story. I've heard it's just not good. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I would have by now, if the, even if its reputation over time had gotten better, but... You know, I saw that it was directed by the guy who did, um, I'm forgetting his name, but he did the Elijah Wood remake of Maniac, which is really gruesome and really ugly. But at least I was like, well, that guy's at least got a style. So like, yeah, once... I actually like that remake. And yeah. I'm a fan of the original. So yeah, same. It's it, and then it's like, I just threw this thing on and I thought it was going to be R rated. It got that edited down to PG-13. And I was just like, wait, this is what the story's about. Like, it's like, it's this weird thing where Jennifer Jason Leigh moves her family into the Amityville house because the um and they have this you know her son's on life support and it's clear yeah he's in a per- he's in a persistent vegetative coma yes yes exactly so much more eloquent eloquent way of putting it uh <laughs> i and- have medical people in my family <laughs> <laughs> but so they're like you know the whole thing is like the teenage daughter clearly feels some guilt and clearly she's like you know uh, she, she, it's related to why he's in that state. It's something to do with her. And the youngest daughter is like, why doesn't mommy love you anymore, Bella Thorne? And it's like all this weird stuff. So I'm like, okay, like this is standard shit, whatever. And then what's his name? Me and Earl and the dying girl guy who I can't stand. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, you don't like Thomas that guy? Ma- Not really. Thomas Mann, who Thomas actually Mann. I'm, I'm friends with a guy named Thomas Mann and he hates him for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's just because all the movies I've seen him with him in it or shit. So uh, he might be a nice guy. I don't know. But he he's like, you're living in that house. Haven't you heard of this? And he picks out the Amityville horror on DVD. And I'm right. like, wait, what now? Haven't you seen yeah. Ryan Reynolds abs in this movie? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a funny thing is in the movie, he like shows up later and he's like, I could only find the original part two and the remake. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it's like, it's like trying to do this scream thing, but not, but then it also takes itself very seriously. And then you find out that the reason Jennifer Jason Lee is mad at her daughter is because I assumed it was like she was driving drunk or something like a hereditary yeah. type of thing. Instead, you find out that um, Jennifer Jason Lee's daughter played by Bella Thorne is like, I took all these photos on the internet. And they got passed around in my high school and everybody knew about them. And then my brother went to go confront the guy who shared them. And he lived on a third story w- like building and he got thrown off. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah. Random. Like, like, but it's all your fault. I'm like, because the brother decided to get violent and got thrown off of a third story balcony. <laughs> like, you know, the, like, until like, it happens to you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just like, the even that it was just like and then it gets into all this stuff with him that's like really insensitive and kind of gross and like yes well i I was gonna say like the real thrust of the movie the reason why it's an amityville movie is the house starts to possess him and he starts to be able to like get up and move and he comes out of his coma and it seems that he's doing better it's funny i was actually gonna name this my one star review but Okay. I will give it one thing, and I'm going to spoil it for people because I it's a bad movie. I don't know. Don't waste your time, I guess, but whatever. You really should. Um, yeah. the, the 
I think her performance is good when it's revealed that, yeah, she she wanted the house to possess him. Yeah. Oh, she's she's like, yeah, I want my son back. So she's like, remember when I used to believe in God? Well, That's over now, now I'm like, the, yeah. yeah, she's like, now I'm like the devil's in. What, what are you talking about? God gave up on us, sweetheart. So I gave up on God. And I moved us here. Because if, if there is some power that can make your brother better. I've been very nervous that they're going to put her in the mom role. And that's not to denigrate moms. And I want to make sure that our audience really understands moms are very important. They do a very good service. But a mom role in a movie is usually very not. Um, it's not. It's nothing. Great. It's mm-hmm. it's nothing. It's usually there for like moral support. Jennifer Jason Lee is in the mom territory, but she keeps playing bad moms. Yeah. yeah. Like she yeah. keeps playing the mom who's like, Fucking. yes, Satan, take my child. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but then she doesn't even get to have fun with that because then the son no. comes back and then she immediately pulls out a cross again and is like, evil be gone. And I'm like, you're yeah. not letting her have fun with this. Come on, let her be demented. <laughs> We've exactly. seen her go unhinged in so many movies. Like, just let her have some fun. And then she's killed off. And then I was just like, yeah, I'm totally checked out of this thing. Who cares? Um, there were right. other movies that I saw years ago that I think are one-star movies for me, but I genuinely don't remember them or her in them, like Morgan <laughs> and uh, Kill Your Darlings. And yeah, I, I, Woman in the Window, I would say, is also probably one in which I was just like, I found this movie very boring and they didn't even let Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, they didn't give her anything to do. So she she's just there because she's Jennifer Jason Lee. And that's that's yeah. that. She and has that, that, that mischievous smile that she's so great in and they give her one close up and then don't allow her to do anything. If so. I'm Jane Russell. Yeah, sure. Sure. sure you are, Jane. Jan. <laughs> um, but uh the uh i i will say that yeah that i mean this is no defense of amity because i hated it too and it was definitely one star review for me but uh i i will say that it was a film that was shot in 2014 and they kept doing reshoots until it was released in 2017 so like <laughs> that's that's a long time to be stuck oh, on a bad movie that's a yeah. lot yeah um so gavin if amityville is not your one star review what is your one star I briefly mentioned it, and I, I feel bad that it's a, a modern movie, but uh, 2016's LBJ, in which oh. she, she plays Lady Bird Johnson under <laughs> a pound of latex and fake ears, but the movie does so little to justify itself because I, w- I was like, okay, maybe this will be an LBJ movie that doesn't involve the Kennedy assassination. Well, guess what, Mimi? It's Ugh. literally starts for like the first half an hour. There's constant flashbacks to the Kennedy assassination and Jennifer Jason Lee is there just to be like, Oh, L LBJ. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, you're, no. you're going to be the president. Like, Oh no. And it's very much that performance. And yeah, I don't, have too much to say about the movie as a whole sure i guess woody harrelson is doing something it also came out the same year as the hbo original movie all the way with brian cranston and that movie had because it was based on a play seemingly much more to say about lbj's presidency and push for you know the advancing of civil rights than this movie was like very textbook like yeah nothing uh, nothing and god jennifer jason lee don't put her under one billion pounds of latex it's not worth it do you know why i married you 
I had other offers, but I chose you. Do you know why? I have no earthly idea. <clears throat> because you asked. On a first date, when uh, other boys would be thinking about how to steal a kiss, you asked me to marry you. You didn't answer right away, though. Well, it hit me like a whammy. I'd only known you for about 20 minutes. My one-star review is a movie that we have not mentioned yet. And a shocking twist. Um, I just hated this movie so much. It is 2013's The Moment. Um, I'm not sure if either of you saw this movie. Did not. It, it is one of the movies where she's like, I don't know what's real and what's not. Um, she is... It's a psychological thriller uh, directed by Jane Weinstock. Uh, her daughter is played by Elia Shawkat. She's a war photographer, and that's crazy. Um, and she like has PTSD, and she starts dating a guy um, played by Martin Henderson, and he mysteriously disappears. And she's like, she goes to you know report a missing man and. They're like, what? what's happened to him? She's like, I don't know. And then she's like, wait a second. Did I kill him? I said it was good sex. I was talking about it. Was it different from sex you'd had before? I've had a lot of different kinds of sex with a lot of different kinds of guys. Look, Lee, I'm not trying to pry. You came in here convinced that you'd killed this man. I'm just trying to find out where the fantasy came from. You don't know that it's a fantasy. I think I watched it because it was just free on Tubi. Um, <laughs> and Meatloaf is in this movie for some reason. I don't. I can't even recall what he does. Uh, but I was like, is that Meatloaf in a background character moment? Why? Who knew Meatloaf? Who called in Meatloaf? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and I hate these type of movies where it's like, okay, fine. They finally resolve like, oh, we thought we figured out what happened. And so she's like, I got to go back to war journalism because that's who I am. And it's like, okay, work, mom. She goes back to, like, take pictures of, like, sad people in the Middle East, which is very problematic in itself. And then, like, she's like, wait, was that all a dream? And then, boom, movie's over. And I was like, wait, what, what? the fuck? Yeah, literally. <laughs> I was like, I don't know about any of this. Uh, it, 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 it was... It was almost like, you know, she wanted to do like an indie movie again, but like sometimes indie movies are indie nonsense. Like and that, yeah. and, and like and we need to say that more, you know? Sometimes <laughs> sometimes the art you make is bad because it's just nonsense. And this movie was just nonsense. All right, let's get out of this one-star madness and get into our five-star reviews. My five stars that I've given on Letterboxd are very much either she's an ensemble a big part of the ensemble or she's very much a supporting role and uh based and that's on okay. Our and that's okay you know like i will say me and gavin tell is it like the best performance is it the best movie it is up to you to decide yeah and the thing is i i'm gonna you know i'm i was debating back and forth up until this moment i'm just gonna say my five-star movie is robert altman shortcuts because i adore her in this movie i love everybody in this i love everybody else in this movie it's one of my favorite robert altman films um i've seen it multiple times despite its sprawling length uh it really i'm a big sucker for big ensemble pieces too i mean like i you know magnolia was like my favorite movie in high school and then of course you i went back and did the homework and found out it was based on all of altman's ensemble pieces like nashville but especially this one where it's a bunch of people in la and i 
I also picked this as my five star for her because I think it does, it, especially in the early 90s where, you know, and a lot of critics, male critics were like, she plays a sex worker so many times, but she plays a much different type of sex worker here in a way that is so brave where she's a stay at home mom. And then also doing this really filthy stuff, which makes it very funny. And then it also is like brazenly honest. At least it feels that way to me. And also in a way that like is she's not meant to be likable, you know, technically like she's I like that. She's very much changing the kid's diaper, saying all of these really kind of gross things. But then also like keeping a schedule and like she's married to Chris Penn and Chris Penn's you know she's clearly emasculating him in various ways and whether or not we don't really know what's fully going on there but then the way that chris penn's character reacts is deeply disturbing and upsetting but i love that she is like she is a sex worker in this movie but she's also fiercely uh she's fiercely confident and fiercely dependent and knows that she's good at this gig and in a way that i don't think i've seen a sex worker portrayed in this kind of way before with this much complexity and this much dark humor and there's scenes where mm-hmm. she talks to lily taylor and lily taylor and she's telling lily taylor about all this fucked up shit that happens and then lily taylor's like god how does that not just fuck your life up and she's like well <laughs> everyone's gotta make a buck somehow you know yeah 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 oh it was so weird the bishop of my parents church called me oh and he wanted um an incest call with like a four-year-old girl and you know look at you know jojo or josette Man, that is fucked up. Oh, man. Oh, that could just fuck your life up. Oh, man. I, I know. Believe me, that's fucked. Okay, look, I, I don't condone it, but it's a money call. I mean, keeps them off the streets anyway. She's mean, too, in this movie, but in a way that I like that she kind of defends herself in many ways, even if it's not entirely defensible behavior. You make a good point that, like, she does play mean very well, because she's it's always very kind of tongue-in-cheek. She's she's always the girl to, like, roll her eyes. Like, she's she's got a good eye roll. She's oh, very, yeah. like, she, she plays the... I mean, she is the perfect Gen X girly. Like, maybe that's, like, the thing I'm just realizing. Like, she really captures that, like, kind of New York cynicism, like, disaffected, like... We're just fucking living in this bullshit life, babe, and we just got to mm-hmm. get through it. Um, and yeah, Shortcuts is a very primo example of um, of all of that kind of together in one. I, I'm a little shocked because I really thought you're going to go with Essex Tens. And I, I was like, it was my number two, but I also could tell that you probably have well, that. Oh, see, so I shot myself in the foot see? because I so I had I had brought a backup. So but I think if I if I have to. If I have to be the one to throw themselves on the Isaac Stens grenade, it's that. Like, wow. I mean, she's so good and so yeah. funny and so weird. And, and like, it just really taps into, I mean, w- literally one of my favorite scenes. And and Louis, I don't know how big of a Cronenberg guy you are, but Cronenberg is body horror. Like, mm-hmm. body, like, but this movie, it's so playful and so weird. And essentially, she's a video game designer. And she, it's this conspiracy plot of... Somebody is out to assassinate her, and she's designed this new video game, and it is essentially like an external organ with an umbilical cord that you plug into a hole in your back. That and it's her and Jude Law, and is the hole? One, do you have to put the hole in your back? Yeah, Where's that's a big cord? part of the plot. You have to get yeah. like it fitted. This is quote yeah. unquote. Yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> like like it's almost like a piercing. And there's like illegal port places that'll do it because 
they they go to Willem Dafoe at one point in the movie who installs Jude Law's port. And I that scene always sticks out to me because he's like, how does it not get infected? It's a hole in your body. And she's like, listen to yourself. And then opens her mouth real wide. While smiling. <laughs> like, um, also, yeah. the, there's a scene where the game starts taking over them. And she like performs cunnilingus on his game port. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Portalingus. Uh, yeah, Portalingus. Yeah. And yeah, it's just kinky and weird. And so but the there's a moment uh you know cuz she's very much like this is a game. None of it's real. None of these people are real. They're they're a lot of these people are NPCs. They're just going to repeat their lines until you say something that makes this plot of this of the game go further. And it's I think the movie unfortunately a lot of critics compared it to the Matrix because it came out at the same time, and it mm-hmm. does have a a similar mind bendy feel, but it is off in its own land and trying its own thing. I mean, there's a scene where they go to a restaurant, and she uncontrollably, um, no Jude Law uncontrollably builds a gun out of the thing that they're eating, out of the bones that the, of the thing that they're eating, and pulls his teeth out to pu- use as the bullets in the gun. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and. Yeah. Uh, but that scene alone, when she's watching him uncontrollably build this, there's a bit where she's talking and she has chopsticks and she just like swishes them back and forth yeah. like a little kid, like in a candy store, just watching this happen. It, the, all of it is like the nonverbal stuff that's happening in her body, the glee that she's having of being involved in this world, of of being this woman who's created this thing that like would 100% change reality. I don't want to get too much into the ending because it really goes into some mind-bending places and I and I really do love the ending. Yeah. Um, I I mean, to this day, the the phrase death to the demoness Allegra Geller, which is her character, is stuck in my head because that's what her assassins keep shouting at her. Death to the demoness Allegra Geller. <laughs> and uh, yeah, what a cool fucking name too, Allegra Geller. Uh, yeah, just the coolest coolest performance in the world and I love her for it. The fuck are you doing? You've killed him. You're gonna kill me next! Michael, he was only a game character. I didn't like the way he was messing with my mind. You didn't like that? So you killed him. (laughs) He's only a game character. Allegra. What if we're not in the game anymore? If we're not. If we're not, then you just killed someone real. Yeah, a lot of people compared it to The Matrix. A lot of people also compared it to Videodrome and been have been like, oh, he's done this sort of stuff before. But like, I really think it is... I think it's much lighter than Videodrome while still being pretty gooey yes. and icky. There's also something that I can't help but think about with you know, as someone who has gotten back into video gaming, like Gamergate and all this stuff. And the fact that she is a woman in the video game industry and her yes. and her device is biological. She keeps referring to it as her baby. Mm, it's, right. it's a piece of flesh, basically, that you have to put into yourself like an umbilical cord. I couldn't help but think about and, you know, Cronenberg's been so great about how technology eventually becomes an extension of oneself and how you know, this is kind of getting into that. Um, I think a lot of people also attack it for being like, who would want to play this video game? And it's like, but it's also about the structure of movies because there's like one scene where like 
Jude Law is like, they just start making out and he's like, I'm not doing anything. And she's like, oh, it must be some dumb expository set point for the game to heighten the dramatic tension of what's about to come next. Like, right. And it's like, well, it's that's, very that's much the part where she like, that's the part where she goes down on his port. Yeah. And um, <laughs> the, uh, the yeah, it's it's really fascinating. And I agree. But I, I think what's really funny about the criticism of who would want to play this game. Have you seen the games that are out there? Right. There, there is literally there are so many weird fucking games that yeah. people are yeah. playing. All right. As extends, I, as, oh, I'll put it on the list. Um, <laughs> my five star review. I'm going back, back, back. Uh, I was just really, really smitten with Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. And and I do think I this mode of hers kind of before she got locked into the the damaged girly um i really enjoy i i i yeah i i i i was surprised at how much i liked this movie and surprised at how much i liked her performance and i was surprised at how different i because i think i saw this later in my watches and everything that i was not everything but a lot of what i was watching was you know dark twisty you know broken girly and in this was just like such a breath of fresh air. And it made me realize like, oh, there's a reason why she when she was so young that she became a star because she has that charisma. She has this like that megawatt smile. Um, and she's in this movie. She as, as Stacy, she's like just the quintessential, you know, teenage girl who is layered, has complicated feelings, is not just like. I think it, if this movie was made in like 2000, it would have been completely told from like, the, there's like the guy who's like in love with her, right? right? Oh, yeah. It would have been completely just told from his side of the story and it's like his conquest of her. And what, this story literally is how he does not want to have sex with her because he likes her too much, you know, and just wants mm-hmm. to like hang out. And I just thought that was like really radical and clever and sweet. And I... It is just so rare to have a movie from this time period where a young girl has that much agency over her own body. She makes mistakes. She fucks up, you know, she like, yeah, and mm-hmm. she uh, is able to like, you know, fucking deal with it. And it's fine. And she's and you know what, bitch, she's back at the mall the very next year. She's like and she even says, I, I mean, what a wonderful like lesson to learn where she's like talking to her best friend and she's like. I don't don't think I want to like have sex. Like I think I do want to like hang out, you know. And and she's coming to realize like, oh, I thought I wanted to have sex, and I thought that's what I you know needed. But like that guy fucking sucked, and he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. And to like come, I don't know. Everything was just like so sweet, and but without like being saccharine because it's very based in reality. Um, I think I think one of the other things I like about her relationship with Phoebe Cates is uh, Phoebe Cates is supposed to be like a year older, right? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming, yeah, yeah. And Phoebe Cates is constantly telling her things, and it's it becomes like clear as the movie going goes on that Phoebe Cates is also making it up. Yeah, yeah. But she, but she's because she's seen as the like elder, more experienced. She's like, oh, I'm gonna impart this wisdom on Jennifer Jason Lee's character. And then Jennifer Jason Lee's like, oh, well, it's all bullshit. Well, like, we're all just figuring it yeah. out. Yeah, and that's, like, the big, I mean, the same thing happens on the boys as well, right? They're like, she's like, oh, yeah, what should I do? Linda, how long does Doug take? Doug takes forever. Come on. He takes, um, like, 20 to 30 minutes. I thought you said he took 30 to 40 minutes. 
Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I meant 30 to 40 minutes. Why? How long did Damone take? Damone took um, 15 to 20 minutes. It's not bad. It's not bad for a high school boy. I think sometimes teen movies like this um, don't treat teens with like respect or like as right. if they're like have working fucking brains um and like there's a way to be like yeah we are all uh controlled by our hormones because we're fucking crazy at the time but like also um not just like idiot monster people like you know like there's a way yeah. to, to do and amy heckerling uh has so much respect for these characters just like in clueless like you know like yeah guess what you can be an airhead bimbo but like still be very smart still be empathetic and still be kind like and i think this movie has a lot of that dna this is why this movie is a fucking classic masterpiece like you know Mm -hmm. references i i after this movie i was like oh this is um this is can't hardly wait this is like so many, so many DNA strands from like uh, the 90s, like renaissance of like teen movies can be directly um, right back to this thing. And I and I think her character and her performance specifically is really what like buoys the entire thing. Obviously, like the Sean Penn of it all was like kind of the um, the gag, the kind of like easy thing for people right. to latch on to. But like the beating heart of this movie is Jennifer Jason Lee. Let's do our mixed reviews reviews before we get into our fast forward. My one-star review is Amityville The Awakening. It came out in 2017. My one-star review was 2016's LBJ. My one-star review is 2013's The Moment. My five-star review is Shortcuts. It came out in 1993. My five-star review was 1999's As Extends. Is that how you say Existence. As Extends, yes. Okay. Uh, my five-star review was 1982's Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Let's get into our fast forward. She has said that, you know, of the, of the directors she has not had a chance to work with yet, PTA is her, like, dream. And I think that's oh so God. funny since he is such a Robert Altman acolyte. Yes. That, like, she, I mean, and she has also said that her and Alan Cumming have spoken about directing again, doing something together again as directors. And so I would love to see that reteamed. I would like a better movie. But I would I would like to see the reteaming of that. Absolutely. Um, th- there's one thing that I see coming up in Jennifer Jason Lee's universe. Uh, something called Poolman, 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 Poolman. I don't know. Uh, directed <laughs> by previous subject Chris Pine. Oh wow! Yeah, I just listened to that episode today. By the way, great up. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine we'll see it coming to Paramount Plus very soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy for her to continue doing challenging roles. You know, I I did watch Sharp Stick, which is the Lena Dunham movie that she did last year. And it was another mom role. And admittedly, it was kind of a bad mom role. But I was still just like, like, I I know you want to work with these people. Like, I know that was probably her thought process. Like, Lena Dunham, she's Uh, young. She talked about a lot. But like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm like waiting for for something better there i i thought maybe there was something else on the other oh fargo you know that's the that's the thing that i'm really looking forward to and i I can't wait to see what you know she does with that role i will say i do like i i do like her in tv world like i watched yeah i would say 80 percent of atypical um i and and Mm. it's a mom role but like she's fucking a younger guy in it she's like having it's it gives her a lot to do and i think 
I love uh, outside of the constraints of a of a movie, like you know, she's able to like really spread her wings a little bit, um, and and yeah, and and honestly, like I kind of like sigh a, a breath of relief when I'm like, okay, she's not going to be like fucking tortured. <laughs> she's just a mom <laughs> and, and, and dealing with like the the horrors of like everyday living. So um, so in your world, you're like, she's done the hard yards. She can. Oh, she she's can done be the every hardest mom. yards. Oh my god! <laughs> like this girly does not need to be in any more. I mean. She can do whatever she wants. But I was like, she deserves to um, uh, get those mainstream, you know, easy uh, roles that like, uh, I don't know, like, I, I feel like Olivia Coleman is somehow snatching up every like easy mom role. And I'm like, <laughs> Olivia Coleman, you don't need those roles. Like, girl. 2015, it felt like kind of a resurgence for her with Hateful Eight and Adama right. Lisa, which uh, both yeah. came out and polar opposite role where she's totally vulnerable in that. Yeah, yeah I think so she's I, great in that movie. I do not like that movie. No, I don't like that movie. So, I really like so, it. Sorry, sorry, straight men of the world. I get that you have it rough. I get that that sometimes being around people who are not you really sucks. <laughs> well, you know what I thought? I was like, I was like, the way that gays have like learned the etiquette of like hooking up and then leaving you alone. Like straights don't have that. They really no. don't. Like true. Like thank you. I we had a wonderful weekend together or whatever. And yeah. like, and thank you so much. And now my, I will return to my life and you can return to yours. The way that strays just decide like, oh, you ruined my life. It's like, okay, <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. Okay. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Anomalisa. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, guess- uh, well, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't even mention Synecdoche, New York, which was the first movie she did with Charlie Kaufman. Because and I love that movie, so I'm not going to say anything too. bad about it. Yeah, but I cannot rewatch it. I I I saw it in the theater. It ruined my week, and that's <laughs> I I was depressed for an entire week. Wow. So wow, okay, yeah. danger um, danger zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do. I, it is interesting just looking at post 2015 too. Like I feel like she's like I'll just like be part of the ride however you want me, which I do think is very interesting. Like good time. She's in that for 15 minutes, kind of, you know dips out after that uh even stuff like annihilation and possessor where she's playing very cold scientists yeah. and some with um, ulterior motives i'll just say i like that she's kind of just um i i love that she it almost feels like she she's relaxing in a certain way which is weird yeah. to say because it's not like her movies are ever relaxing to watch even the ones that come out now um but you know what i and we say this every time but like she is such a creature of new york like to see her yeah. back on stage would be... I mean, she's just so good. And again, she acts big enough for the stage. She has yes. that like capacity to fucking... Acting is a big, Louis. It's a mirror. <laughs> Tell that to... The mirror has two faces is what I would say to that. Uh, because, I mean, she's, she's a very big actress. She's like, she's got to take the swings. And I think her, her go-to is like... She's like, okay, this does suck. I'm just gonna fucking rip it, like let it fucking rip, uh, and uh, you know, eh, or, or more often than not, the, the the director will be like, let's get let's get her in some crazy hair. Let's get her in a little <laughs> yeah. shake and go. Let's get her in a, like you know, edge it up. Uh, yeah, she has not seen a wig that she would say no to yet. Um, but yeah, I. I Charlie, thank you so much for bringing her because what a fucking wild ride we went on yeah. with oh, well, this career. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love you guys. I've loved your show and it's uh, an honor and a privilege to be on. So I Yeah, and, and now we've grateful. had two of the three uh, almost major uh, hosts on the pod. So, you know, 
Yeah. Tell Braden he's not welcome. <laughs> Go back to your podcast and tell him he's not welcome. No, no, that's that's an open invi- invitation. Please yeah, come on course. wherever you want. We loved having... um, contact me. We'll probably have you on in 2026. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think that wraps up Jennifer Jason Lee. Thank you so much, Charlie. This is your moment. Your moment to shine. Plug whatever you like, how to reach you online, what you're doing. Talk about Almost Major. Let the children know. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, I am uh, I co-host Almost Major with uh, my friends Kevin Tudor and Bryden Doyle. You can follow us at, at Almost Major on Twitter, and you can find our episodes on Spotify or wherever you can get. Um, or uh, iTunes. I don't know if we're on like Stitcher just yet, but definitely Spotify and iTunes. We are uh, available there. Um, I'm a member of the Boston Online Film Critics Association. I haven't written in a little bit, but you can find some of my older stuff there. And you can also follow me on Letterboxd and Twitter at ctnash91. That's ctnash91. And yeah, thanks again, both of you. It's been a blast. Really awesome. appreciate it. No, yeah, I mean, fully like Kevin came on for our um, Juliet Lewis episode. Yes. Which was One, great. Wonderful episode. Um, uh, what, I, you guys just picked like the most interesting yeah. actors <laughs> for us to do. And it's just like, oh. oh. Thank you so much, Charlie. Seriously, it, it is. this was such a blast. I ended up, as I was saying before we began recording, like I loved doing this. And I, I guess I, I didn't realize how much I appreciate Jennifer and Jason yes. Lee. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad. And I had a blast too. And yeah, an honor and a privilege to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> But if you do want to have a blast with us, mm. you can always find us online at, at The Mixed Reviews on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Just type in The Mixed Reviews. If you want to email us, you can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at the underscore mix underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to our back catalog, just like you listened to this entire episode, you can always find us on any major podcast app. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google audible amazon and if you do listen to us on apple Podcasts, please stop by leave us a five-star rating write us a little review what it does is it tells the algorithm hey these guys are popular Mm -hmm. and it tells other people they should be listening to us give the jennifer jason lee to jennifer jason me (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what that means i just wanted to say it it was very good though (laughs) the delivery iconic (laughs) i landed it (laughs) Uh, you can also support us on Patreon, where we are putting out video versions of these episodes so you can see Louie and I, as well as lots of other little Easter eggs. And you get episode updates, which we're working on doing some more. But currently we have one about Universal Monsters. We have one about Jennifer Lopez. Go there. Enjoy them. Yes. Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.